Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host Toby Morris. Today I have a very, very fucking special guest. I've been waiting to do this for over a year. We've been talking about this pandemic hit, life hit, everything hit. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Randy Bly. How you doing? Thank you so much for being here, man. That's cool, man. Here this is the, awesome. The pink kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and you just told me before this that your name means uh, cheerful in Old English. It does. It's pretty cool, man. It does. We're going to find out during this podcast if you are cheerful. My first name is David. It means beloved of God. Wow. And, yeah, I don't know about that either. But <laughs> my, my middle name is Randall, and it means protected by wolves in Old English. What a powerful name, man. Beloved of God, cheerful, protected by wolves, dude. I don't know. It's kind of a mess. Um, so, well, your parents gave that name, obviously. Yeah. Um, you have siblings? I have three younger brothers. Wow. So how was, you were born in Richmond, Virginia? No. I was born in Fort Meade, Maryland. Oh, nice. February 21st, 1971. Would that be where I used to live in St. Mary's County, Lexington Park, Maryland? Is that near there? No. I don't know where certain. Ma- I only lived there for about a year and a half. Um, uh, it's north of DC, okay. about twenty minutes. It's uh, my dad was in the Air Force. Nice. Uh, he had gotten drafted into the Army during Vietnam to go catch bullets, like all wow, all uh, people with no money do. You know, the rich yeah. people don't have to. So they're like, "You're going to the army to catch money." But he was really smart and was a college graduate. So someone looked at his test scores and was like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! You're smart. We, we need him." So they wow. put him in the Air Force, and uh, he he designed a couple of things actually that are used in airplanes today. He has a couple of patents, such as uh, some sort of like <laughs> something, some sort of high level nerdery okay, technological okay. thing, technical shit. Okay, yeah, he, he has a you know a patent. That's a cool. Couple man. Patents and. But because he invented that while he was in the armed services, that's automatically the property of the government. Mm. So, um, but he was in the Air Force and uh, luckily didn't get killed in Vietnam. And yeah. otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Um, and then he was working for the NSA. Okay. Uh, and that's in Fort Meade, Maryland. Okay. Doing like egghead code cracking stuff during the Cold wow. War. And I was born there. Yeah. And so you went, you went to school there? You grew up no, there? No, 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 no. I lived there for about a year and a half. Okay, and then you went to? And then I, I lived in Fort Meade for about a year and a half. My younger brother was born in D.C. And I think it was D.C. he was born. Uh, and then my dad um, had this, uh, what they call the calling. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's a super smart guy. He is a, an electrical engineer. Yeah. Um, really... Uh, I don't know, math-oriented kind of guy, which yeah. is the opposite of me. I was um, going to ask you that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then he um, felt what they call the calling, and he decided to go to seminary to become a minister. Wow. Yes. Wow. So we moved to Wake Forest, North Carolina, and those are my earliest memories. Yeah. Uh, where he was at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and this is before the Southern Baptist went full crazy fundamentalist stuff Mm -hmm. you know so we grew up there uh until i was probably three or four i guess and then he got 
a church. I got he graduated and got assigned to be the pastor of a church in a little town uh, outside Wilmington, North Carolina, a okay. little tiny town called Hallsboro, North Carolina, with one traffic light. That was it. One traffic light. Wow. In the general store and um, holy shit. So while we were there, um, me, him, my brother Mark, my mom, and then. My mom had another kid, my brother Scott. Okay. And we we're the preacher's kids. You know. Wow. And uh, then a combination of events happened. Uh, my parents, it it didn't work out for them. Yeah. They're, they're still cool. Today. Yeah. You know, they really they're, they're much better apart than they were yeah. together. You know, they're yeah. totally cool. But they decided to split, and then there was some weird stuff in the church. Um, Gotcha. That uh, my dad was like, nah, I'm not going to deal with this. It's not, doesn't fit my ethics. Mm. So, um, respect that. So, my mom stayed in North Carolina to go to college, right? Yeah. Uh, in Wilmington. And my brothers and I moved to a little tiny paper mill town called Franklin, Virginia, Southampton County, Virginia, where my dad grew up. And we lived on my grandma's farm for a few years. Moved around, man. Yeah, and then lived in this little paper mill town up until, I don't know, my senior year in high school. And then my dad remarried, and we moved to uh, the Tidewater area of Virginia, which is like Norfolk, Virginia Beach. Yeah, I know that. And I graduated high school, and then I moved to Richmond in 1989. Wow, man, that's a lot. Were your parents strict when they were together? Were they uh, when they were together, I mean, it's it's been so long ago. Yeah. when they were together, uh, like pushing but, religion on you and stuff like that, or uh, it wasn't like I don't know if it was so much pushing religion on yeah. me uh, as like it was just kind of like that's what you do when you're the preacher's kid. Of course, you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah. and it was really weird, you know, because like, um, I. Uh, you know, I was totally, as much as a child can conceive of any sort of spirituality, I was a very spiritual person at a young age. I, yeah. be- I believed in this this God, the Christian God, yeah. that I was taught. That's the only conception. And then I saw this weird hypocrisy in the church, mm. and I was like, okay, I'm done with that. At a young age, you saw that, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And my parents split up at the same time. Yeah. So it was very... Um, I hate to use the word traumatic, but very I can see that, yeah. strange, life-altering time, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, um, when we... Because my dad was educated, like I said. Yeah, he, smart. He um, taught at... He did a few things after we left that little church. He was like a prison chaplain. He worked as a hospital chaplain. Wow. And he taught um, uh, electrical engineering at a community college the same time he worked like two or three jobs yeah sounds, a lot yeah. of times to provide for me and my brothers yeah you know yeah um and did the best that he could while my mom was getting her degree to, so that she could you know support herself as yeah, well yeah yeah um so but yeah my dad was was pretty strict um and he is we have a great relationship now yeah you know because i think you grow as as I think it's hard for children to conceive of their parents as just human beings. They're just human beings. So true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you don't understand that they have issues and flaws and, and They're not perfect. Yeah. yeah. Superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, 
<clears throat> we have a great relationship now. And, and awesome. I think we've both grown and matured because I was so different. He was, as a, as a child, I know he was super square, right? And I'm a nerd, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm still a proud nerd, but he was like, <laughs> I'm like a Hellraiser nerd, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. he was like a square nerd. Gotcha. So uh, <laughs> I being the, the, um, the, and I was a weirdo in school too. Never fit in. Yeah. You know. But super smart, good grades, all that? Uh, I got good grades generally not because I worked at it, because school was just seemed stupid and yeah. easy to me. Uh, except for like <clears throat> like when it got to advanced math mm. stuff. I just wasn't I didn't even make it to that. Yeah. I wasn't interested in it. Was it too easy for you? School in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways. But math too, because your dad was... Math, math well. was my dad didn't understand why I couldn't comprehend math. I mm. just I was good like I, I enjoyed like geometry because it looked like a puzzle. Yeah, but like abstract math, like when you got to like calculus and, and, <laughs> yeah. and algebra and stuff. I'm like x plus y equals z, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like that says nothing concrete to me. Yeah, that's abstract shit. Yeah. Why do I give a shit about that? I need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's not applicable in my life today. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I, I was always a weirdo in school and like, I didn't have, we didn't have money cause I, you know, my dad was a preacher and then he was a community college teacher. Yeah. They don't make money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. my mom is like working as a waitress. She doesn't have money. None yeah. of us have fucking money. You know, yeah. So when you're a kid and you move to these new places and you didn't grow up there and they see you don't have money, you're like, I always wore hand me down clothes and mm-hmm. shit. And people, children can be cruel. Totally. You know, and they're like, oh, look at you. You got those bobo shoes on. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just about making friends, you have to make friends all the time, keep moving and shit. Like, yeah. And I you know I was just too weird. Like, I didn't understand. I didn't understand why people cared about like things like nice clothes and and stuff. Yeah. I just didn't understand fitting in and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted yeah. to fit in and I tried for a little bit and and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well fuck everybody. Yeah. And I was pretty miserable. And then I discovered punk rock music. It's lifesaver, man. The best. And skateboarding too around the same time? Yes, right around Seems the same time. Came hand in hand back then, you yes, know? Yes, yes. It was like yes. the soundtrack for it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so how'd, you, how'd, you, how'd you find that? Like, um, Well, I went, I went to um, this gifted and talented program in the summer when I was the summer of sixth and seventh grade. Yeah. And it was at the, the college UVA, University of Virginia, yeah. you know? So a bunch of basically nerds went <laughs> went to the to college. I went to college yeah. in the summer and could have took classes that you could get college credit for when I was in like sixth and seventh grade. And at that time, I didn't the only because I lived in this little tiny like redneck town, right? Yeah, there was no internet. There was no. There was no record store there. Yeah. I I didn't have a car. I was in like sixth or seventh grade. I had no conception of 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 what music could be outside of what was played on the, the radio. radio yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something. Yeah. You know? Did your parents play music in the house at all? Or no. Um, uh, my dad. We listened to a lot of like uh, NPR. Okay. 
And my dad growing up liked uh, a lot of jazz, a lot of cool. uh, the Beach Boys and stuff. I, you know, I got some love of music from him, but yeah, but I didn't understand. I did. I didn't like most music. I don't think I was like, God, this is just boy meets girl bullshit again and again and again. <laughs> yeah. And and I I kind of liked. I remember I liked the the Motley Crue record "Shout at the Devil." I was like, "There's something about that record where it seems like they're pissed." Yeah, because they were for sure. You know, even though they're, you know, I mean, I'm friends with like Nikki Six now. You know, yeah, talked to him about that record and some of its political shit. You mm-hmm. know, but I was like, that was about the most aggressive type stuff I had heard. Yeah, you know, uh, except for my brother had a Black Sabbath cassette because I mean, you could get that at Kmart. You yeah, know, or whatever. So I go off to this gifted and talented school and I'm skateboarding at that time because my mom is living in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. So we were always going to the beach, you know, and becoming involved in that sort of the beach culture, you know, and I was skating, starting to skate. My first skateboard was a Vision Gator. Sick. Green Vision Gator. Wow. Who later, (laughs) we all know what he did. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I had that board too. It was a great board. Yeah, man. yeah. I wrote it forever um, until I broke it doing an acid drop off a van Sick. outside of a park. But I was had my skateboard there, and there was this kid from Virginia Beach. I was living in this little redneck town, and this kid from Virginia Beach was at the gifted and talented camp, and he was like, "Oh man, you know you 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 you're listening to that Motley Crue stuff. You need to hear this." And he gave me a cassette tape. And on one side was the Sex Pistols, never mind the bollocks. And on the other side, I think, was some Bob Marley. And, wow. And that immediately, immediately, when I heard, heard the, the first track, Holidays in the Sun, it starts. Sick. I was like, oh, shit. Like, what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he's like, this is punk rock. This is what you need. Wow. And, and I listened to it. And I, I guess it was like sixth grade, sixth, seventh grade. And I was like, oh, my God. And there, he was singing about real things, some of which I didn't understand because yeah. of his accent, yeah. Johnny Rotten's accent. But I could tell he, they were pissed and yeah. they didn't sound like everyone else. And I was like, this speaks to me. Yeah. And from there, I just started trying to figure out what in the fuck this punk rock shit was. Yeah. I feel like Sex Pistols, no, Never Mind the Bullocks, was the first one for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. The beginning yeah. of it all. Yeah. And Damn. And I, I, because there's no internet then, yeah, you man. know, like I thought punk rock only came from England. Okay. Right. And I was like, and I started learning about it. So I'm like, you know, the Sex Pistols, the Dam, Slaughter and the Dogs, all that. Also, I was like, punk rock is an English thing. You know, yeah. I didn't know about Clash and shit. Yeah. The American hardcore and stuff. Yeah. But then, of course, skateboarding, uh, you know, this, I get this. I'm skateboarding with this kid at Wrightsville Beach, and he's like, "You need to check out like Circle Jerks, Black Flag, stuff like that." Yeah, you know. And then I got Thrasher Skate Rock Volume Hell yeah. Three, Wild Riders of Boards, and it had Septic Death, The Accused, Aggression. CLC. Maybe they weren't on that okay. one, particular one, but it was like the really aggressive crossover kind of okay. stuff. And I was like, oh. Gangrene, and I was like, "Oh, this gangrene! Is, this is wild!" And then from there, it just, you know, I started finding out more and more and more. You know, yeah. like I found out about the Cro-Mags. This is a pretty good story. Let's hear it. Do you remember the show Donahue? Yeah, Phil Donahue, of course, right? 
So, <laughs> so I was, like I said, I live in this little tiny town. Yeah. There's no. How many people are there? Oh, God. A couple that, thousand? Oh, uh, you know, maybe like ten, like eight, nine, ten thousand. Okay. It's less now because the paper mills died and it's like completely. Mm. Okay. Like it's dead. Like okay. it's gotten really rough there from, from what I understand. I go there sometimes to see my grandma, but, but like I was watching Donahue, <laughs> right? And like those I see guys the, were on there, right? Jimmy G, all those dudes, right? I, I see these punk rock kids on this stage, and it's like punk rock kids and their parents, right? Yes. From New York, it's all New York hardcore. Yeah, you know, people we know, a lot of them, but yeah, didn't no. know at the time, of course. But it's like, I, they're like this, some of the parents were like, "I don't understand what's wrong with my kid. They're just yeah. wearing eye makeup and a you know fish hook in her Safety lip. Safety pins and shit. Yeah, yeah, you know. And then some of the other parents were like, "Ah, it's cool. They're just like." You know, expressing themselves, and and Donahue was like, I don't really understand this, but no. and then like he takes questions from the audience, and I don't know if you have ever seen this, but he goes down there, and and I see this little bald dude, and then another guy with like a crew cut, <laughs> and I think the guy with the crew cut said something, which of course is John Joseph. Yeah, you know, yeah, Donahue, I'm looking, yeah, we're we're pretty good. It's it's not that bad. And then all of a sudden, Harley grabs the mic. And he's like, by the way, I'm the bass player in a band called the Chromax. We have a new record coming out, Age of Coral. And it's like, it's just trying to get this shit in there. And wow. Donnie, Donnie was like, what the fuck? Trying to pull his microwave in. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to look them up. Holy you shit. Know? I do remember that. And then, I, and that's, and somehow from there, I like, probably when I was in a record store in Norfolk or whatever, the one big city, a, a big city, an hour away ago, an yeah. hour, hour away, I like found Age of Coral. Damn. You know? But that That's was a game how, changer, man. Yeah, and then eventually I found like magazines, maybe like Maximum Rock and Roll and Flipside. Flipside, yeah. You know, and that opened up a whole other thing to where you could get, you know, mail order records and and find out about bands and, and wait like six weeks to get something in the mail. Yeah, which was fine. But, Absolutely, but kids can't wait more than ten minutes to get. It's crazy how it is right. now. You had to wait. Yeah, pen pals and writing people. Oh and, yeah. Sending cassettes, all that. So it was really Damn. living in this sort of backwoods place. It was a really like a, it was like a um, sort of like a patchwork process of kind of figuring out what this stuff was because yeah. there was no punk rock scene where I lived. None. None. And there was nobody really like-minded like you in your town that you had met no. yet. No. Except for the guy that gave you the Sex Pistols tape. With well, that, he Marley. was from Virginia Beach. Ah, shit, yeah. So, like, Damn. I was I was alone, and then wow. I influenced my younger brothers. There you go. And then, you know. That was your little crew right there with your brothers. Yeah, I mean, as much as they can be, your little your little brother, <laughs> you know. And then what about your first show? Like, where'd you have to travel to to go see a live band? Uh, well, the first, like, you mean like a punk rock show? or Whatever, live shows? music. Yeah, just seeing live music for you. I think the first concert i went to uh was with this guy tom ayers who uh lived in this little town with me he was a pretty cool guy he was like a burnout metalhead dude you yeah know? like the the burnout metalheads were the only ones who weren't like shitty to me okay you know the, yeah um but i didn't understand their music at the time you know yeah which is ironic because i'm in a metal band now but like <laughs> but this guy tom ayers is like my mom's carrying me to see ZZ Top. And I'm like, awesome. So let's go. <laughs> so we went to this place, Hampton Coliseum. Okay. And uh, and saw ZZ Top. And I think it was the Eliminator Tour. And they 
you know, had chicks on stage and special effects and and there were big biker dudes like smoking weed and like the pit. And I'd never been around this shit before. I'm like, this is crazy. Damn. You know? Yeah. And then however many years later I I played that same venue. Really? Yeah, it was Slipknot. We were on tour with Slipknot, sold out. Wow. So it was like kind of heavy. It was kind of heavy. I was like, this is the first place I ever saw a show. But then to see real shows, also in the 11th grade, I went, I got uh, accepted to the Governor's Magnet School of the Arts. Right. So the last two years of my high school, half the day I went to regular school, then the other half I went to art school. And art school was like, we called the teachers by the first name. Wow. Uh, you, there was no role taking. If you came to class, cool. If not, you know, it's basically a bunch of people like me crammed into a college campus because it was on ODU campus. Yeah. So I met all these people who thought like me, uh, who wouldn't judge me. It's cool. You know, and they yeah. were from that area and they started telling me about shows. So to get to a show, it was at least an hour and a half drive for me. Okay. So, uh, and then starting, you know, in like 10th grade or whatever. But then by my senior year, we lived in like Chesapeake. So it was like 40, 40, 40 minutes to Virginia Beach, 20, 30 minutes. And, um, is that sun- by Annapolis, Chesapeake? Huh? Is that by Annapolis? Chesapeake? No, Chesapeake Bay is the name of a, a bay. No, I, yeah, yeah. Town. Chesapeake is down near the bottom of Virginia. Okay, okay. You're thinking, you're thinking up. Okay. Maryland. Okay. But, so... But my, like, starting the summer of, like, 11th grade and then 12th grade in Virginia Beach and Norfolk is when I really started to go see a lot of shows. Yeah. So I saw a lot of really good bands. A lot. I saw, you know, COC. Um, I saw fucking uh, Agent Orange. I saw, yeah. <coughs> I saw uh, Circle Jerks with Seven Seconds opening up. I saw... Um, Bad Brains, Leeway, Corrosion of Conformity. That's a sick tour. I remember that tour, yeah. That's the best show I've ever seen. Damn. And I saw, sick bill. And I saw the Vandals with Agnostic Front. Wow. And that that was the first time I ever met Freddie Medball, even though he doesn't remember it. <laughs> oh, he was on tour with him then, yeah. He was a, a child. Wow. That was the scariest, scariest show I'd ever been to at that time. Mm. Played at this place called the Atlantic Beach Club. Which is an old theater. A lot of skins come out back then. Oh yes, yeah. And like, so I pull up to this gig because I wanted to go see the Vandals, and I had never I loved the Vandals, still do to this. Yeah, state. great band. And I had never really listened to Agnostic Front, but I knew they were like a skinhead band. And I pull <laughs> yeah. up, and then there's all these skinheads from all over the East Coast there. DC, Baltimore, all that yes. shit, I'm sure. Yeah. Lots of boots and braces. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh fuck, dude. <laughs> like, and I'm like this skinny punk rock kid with a mohawk and you know and <laughs> yeah. i see this one little fucking kid full on boots and braces doc yeah. martin shaved head like little button-up shirt or whatever and he's like standing by the a van by the where they load in and i was like this dude i'm like this fucking kid is that's a full fucking skinhead he's like nine, nine years old yeah and i yeah. walk over to him i was like 16 17 at the time I'm like, hey, dude, hey, little man. He looks at me. I'm like, what? He looks like, what? I'm like, hey, man. Uh, can I ask how old you are? You know. And he looks at me. He goes, eleven. What fucking difference does it make? Damn. And then he went into the club. And then I saw him on stage later. Holy shit! Because it was 
you know, he <laughs> sang a song with Roger. Yeah. And holy shit. That was Freddie. Damn. You know. What difference does it make? What fucking di- 11? What fucking difference does it make? Like, I was oh, like, shit. cool, little dude. Like, damn. <laughs> then you saw him on stage. Like, okay, it makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> That's a great fucking show. I remember, I remember, I remember to go to shows at Cedar Crest. Uh huh. Yeah. I never got, I never saw a show at that ramp. So Fagazi there. Yeah. yeah. Skated that ramp too. The ramp was scary. Yes. Yeah, steel, right? Yeah. yeah. I was to skate Mount Trashmore too. I've been oh, there yeah, a yeah, times. Yeah. Many, many times. Yeah. Great all, fucking ramp. All the pro ams there. You'd have to pour Coke down it in the morning. Yeah. It was make slippery. Sure it was sticky because it's a fiberglass. Yeah. If you fell, you get all that shit in you. I do remember that. Were you um a street skater or ramp skater? Um, mostly street. Okay. You know. Did you have a favorite trick or anything? Uh, backside ollie wall ride. Sick. Which is wow. Now why I have a torn meniscus? Because damn, I keep doing them. Are you still skating? Not as hard as I was. I tore my meniscus like two years ago. Okay. On tour, doing those in Canada. Wow. Shit. My front foot stayed on the board, and my back foot didn't. So it's like, damn. And heard this pop, and we were in Canada touring with Slayer, and then I was like, oh my god, holy fucking hurt like shit. So now. I'm supposed to get it. I got an MRI. I'm supposed to get a operation on it, but I just haven't had time. Yeah. Damn. All right. So let's go back to school. So when yeah. you graduated, what was like your goals? Like what? What, what, what was wanna, my goal? What did you want to do? Just to get out and just fucking live? I wanted to leave. So I went to, I went to Richmond, Virginia. Right. Yeah. Um, because I got accepted into this college, VCU. Right. Because it was a big art school. Right. Yeah. And I knew I'd get accepted there. Um, but. Really, I had no interest in any sort of doing college. I just wanted to go to Richmond because I knew they had a lot more shows there and True. it was a strong arts community. Okay. So my academic record reflects that fact. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I wasted a lot of time. Damn. And money. It's a little bit of my dad's money. Sorry, dad. You know, he he paid, yeah. blew some money on me going to college and then I wound up having to pay some stuff off too, but... Uh, <laughs> pretending to go to college, mm-hmm. but in reality, just kind of fucking around, going to shows, yeah, doing drugs, <laughs> partying, just living it up. Yeah, was Twisters around then? Remember? Twisters? Oh yes, oh yes, that was the first place I ever saw a show in Richmond. Great fucking venue, man! Wow, had some great shows there. Yeah, the first show I saw was not good. Okay. Well, it wasn't bad, but it was my first week I lived there. I was sitting in a subway sandwich with these other kids who who had moved into. <laughs> The same dorm as me. Okay. Right? And we're sitting there, and and all of a sudden, this cop walks up to us, and I'm like, fuck. Damn. I've already moved. I just moved here. I already am getting hassled, because I, you know, had issues with police yeah. <laughs> over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this cop looks at us. He goes, hey, would you like some free tickets to a show? And we're like, Sure, and he's like, he hands up to it. And I look at it, and it was a flock of seagulls. Holy shit! At Twisters, yes, on a Monday. So we went. So we, me and these other like eighteen year old kids went down the street and uh, and went and saw a flock of seagulls. Did you have heard of them before? Obviously, right? Of course, they were all over That's the. Crazy, radio. you're playing Twisters. Wow. Yeah, man. Was it a good show? I it, I guess it was about half full or whatever. And Damn. This, this girl who went with us, she got on stage and sang I Ran with them, of course. Wow. I ran. They yeah. had the big hair and everything. Holy shit. So that's your first show there? Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just going to school, you're not working, not doing any music at that time, right? Um, I, you know, like a, I had a high school band uh, that never got out of the garage. Um, 
my buddy Alex, who I just saw in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago. Shout out, Alex. We're going to get... What up, Alex? We're going to get Black Monday back together. It's called Black Monday? <laughs> I think it was Black Monday or Black Friday. I think it was Black <laughs> Whichever one the, where the stock market crashed. And what, uh, what type of music was that? It was like really bad, like kind of blues punk rock with me singing about like kind of like um, drinking and stuff, which like I didn't really know that much about then. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We just jammed in his garage. There's a cassette tape somewhere. He told me, I'm like, you got to you gotta get it. I need to hear 16-year-old oh music. So that could possibly come out someday. Yeah, I hope so. Wow. So people can laugh at me. So you're, you're just out there living, partying? Living, partying, and not doing school too much. And Did you party before that? <clears throat> no. I kind like, new to I, you. I, like, I didn't really do drugs. I, like, I didn't. I smoked a little weed in high school. It wasn't until I went to college that I started like doing other things. Yeah. You know, and I drank a little bit in high school, like my senior year, but it wasn't until I went to college that I really started drinking, drinking. Mm. You know, I party on the weekends sometimes at home. Yeah. But uh, in college is when I was like, mm, okay. That's when I started smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee. Damn. You're just doing everything. Yeah. Man. I'm a grown up now, kind of. I'm, yeah. I'm away from home. I'm. A, yeah. I don't have to even pretend to be, you know, sober or clean or yeah. shaven or anything. <laughs> I'm just well, gonna fully fall to pieces. Fuck it. Were your parents psyched you going to that college and stuff? No. Okay. No. My they, they wanted something else for you. They they would have preferred me doing um, going to like a more prestigious school. But like at the time, that school mm. was one of the best art schools. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And even though, you know, I changed my degree from uh, from the arts degree to English literature, uh, and I, which I never finished, none, none of that would have <laughs> helped me with yeah. what I do. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess maybe the English a little bit. Yeah. Because I'm an author, you know. But yeah. Like, but the college, writer, all that. Yeah. I, 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 I do well if I learn one-on-one from someone. Mm-hmm. Or if I teach myself, yeah, you know. So what happens after college? Did you, are you just working jobs? Yeah, I was kind of where I started working jobs, um, you know, in the restaurant business. Yeah, you've been a cook or something. Yeah, for many many years. Yeah, so I in my, construction too. Yeah, I did. I was a roofer. Um, for, That's a gnarly job too. Man. Yes. Yeah, I was a roofer for like three or four years, uh, a few of those with my guitar player, Mark, who is a much better roofer than me until, <laughs> until on our first tour, I fell off a roof drunk and broke my arm partying. So <laughs> that was the end of my roofing career. And it was back to washing, <laughs> Holy washing shit. dishes. Were you a good cook too? Did you go to college yeah, school? I, I, no, 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 no. Wow. No, I'm still a good cook. Wow. I kick ass. So. I'm jealous. I'm the worst cook. That's the only thing I lack in my That's life. It's tough for you being a vegan. I know. You, you got, you I suck. Me. I'm so bad, dude. Uh, it's only that's more I've told him like we've married twenty five years and so number one thing only thing she doesn't like about me that I never stepped it up and try to cook. I'm trying now later in life, but like I have no confidence in the cooking. Ladies I like it. I know they man. love it when you cook for them, bro. I know. <laughs> I know. They do. Um. So is your first band Halo Halo of Locusts? No. So my first band in Richmond was a band called Stink Hogan. So what does that mean? Uh, it's just anything <laughs> bad. Like our, I didn't know what it meant. Stink when I, Hogan. When I joined the band, I think a Hogan's here is on the line. Yeah, Stink Hogan. Um, and my friend Abe, who is a guitar player, kind of he's like, I was like, what does Stink Hogan mean? And he's like, it could be anything bad. Like, 
you know, like a piece of dog shit on your living room floor or whatever. And it's, and for, <laughs> for some reason, uh, we changed our name to Furious George. Wow. Now there's, an, there's another Furious George mm. that's like a, a sort of like punk band from Florida, I think, but they okay. came after us. Okay. So we the originals. Were, yeah. We were the OGs. <laughs> Jorge <laughs> Furioso. Right. So like the, George. the band was like the, the it was not a good band because all four of us wanted to be in a different band. Okay. <laughs> like our drummer kind of wanted to be in the Smashing Pumpkins. Gotcha. Our our bass player kind of be wanted to be like Charles Mingus, you know, playing jazz because he was like an actual musician. Okay. Our guitar player sort of wanted to be Jimi Hendrix and and I wanted to be in, in like the Bad Brains, you know. So yeah. it was and it was this weird <laughs> mix of just like metal, punk, funk, alternative. It was just a train wreck. Okay. <laughs> it was not good. Nobody's playing their own thing, their own kind of style, yeah. Yeah, I mean it was I mean it was musically complex, I suppose, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. So then when that band, I was dating this girl, I remember this girl Tara and she came and saw us and then we played with some other band and afterwards she just looked at me she goes honey you need to get a better band and I was like you're right I do she put it to me dude yeah (laughs) Uh, but we kind of quit because I was like oh we aren't doing that good no offense to those guys yeah but then our guitar player right yeah he's like dude I got a new band I want you to join and I'm like, oh, bro, like our last band wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. he's like, come on, dude, you'd be a great singer for this new band, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whatever, dude. So I leave for, because I'd started riding freight trains for okay. a while. Wow. I rode from Richmond to California and back. A By yourself? Uh, with a, a girl or a friend. Nice. So I did that a couple, for a couple of years before it became totally trendy because my grandfather did it during okay. the depression okay right? i knew that he would drive he would ride from tennessee to texas okay getting work because that's what people did during the yeah depression. yeah, yeah. I, as a kid i was always like i want to hop a freight train so me and my buddy decided to do it one time we learned how to do it is it sketchy doing that is oh yes, hard? yes 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 so until, actually, until you know what you're doing and okay. it's very easy to get killed so and to get caught too or no uh it depends okay i, I wouldn't recommend it for anyone you know but now it's kind of like this weird clicky thing. So that, people do that now? It's a thing now? Yeah, it's like wow. in the crusty punk world. Okay. You know? I think a lot of them talk more about it than they actually ride. Are you jumping on it when it's moving or is it wait till it it's, stops? It's, Both. it's way better to get on them when they're stopped. But of course. If, if it's moving, you have to know what you're doing. You have to know how to judge it. You have to like be aware at all times. You know, because you can get sucked under the train and that's it. So you're staying on the whole time across country. You don't get off and check out. It. Does it stop for a little while? So no, you, you, jump you out can get off. towns and come you, back on? Yeah, you can get wow, off. The okay. longest ride is from uh, Minneapolis, from the Fridley Yard. Uh, it has one stop in Haver, Montana for about half an hour. And this is the high line. It goes wow. from Minneapolis to Montana for 30 minutes where you get off and run out of the yard and go the go the gas station to get a a coffee or whatever that's a 24-hour ride and then from haver montana to either spokane or seattle depending on where it's going to drop up that's another 24-hour ride so basically it's 48 hours on this freight train that goes through the top of the country and it's an amazing ride okay amazing you you go places a lot of times where there's no power lines no no nothing yeah so you're just like it's what the country looked like Back yeah. in the day, yeah, you yeah, know, it's yeah. in its natural state, except for the the railroad. So it's really wow. cool. 
That sounds amazing, actually. It was really cool, man. And me and my buddy Tyler, who I still talk to, spent a couple of summers doing that. And it was, you know, it was really cool. And I met, I, I like, I was going to the Bay Area because I wanted to go to, to Gilman. That was my end yeah, goal because yeah. I had read about it at Max, you know, in Maximum Rock and yeah. Roll. So I made it to Gilman. Legendary. Oh, times. wow. And I saw, like, you know, some of Rancid's first shows. And, Sick. You know, I saw the crust punk band Dirt, and I saw a, a, a bunch of cool bands out there. You that's know, awesome, man. Just squatting, you know. Yeah. In fact, that's where I met the guy who put out our first record, squatting in California. But anyway. Well, you, so, are you meeting people that do the same thing, too? There's, like, yes. different cliques of people that come? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, okay, okay. That's so So cool. I made it back home in the s- late summer of 1995. And yeah. my guitar player, Abe, I got off a freight train with my chick on the outskirts of Richmond. Mm-hmm. And my old guitar player, Abe, from the terrible band, who, <laughs> who wanted me to join his new band, he's the only person I knew with a car. And I was way out in the suburbs of Richmond where the train stopped. Gotcha. So I went to a paying phone and I called him. I said, Abe, I'm back in town. Can you come pick me and my chick up? I called him from a payphone. He's like, yes. And my band is playing a party tonight. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, cool. We'll go. You got to go now. He's giving you a ride. go man. now. He's giving me a ride. And yeah. I was like, well, fuck it. There'll be free beer. Fuck it. So we get back to Richmond and I wind <laughs> up going to this party and I walk in. I hear this music from outside. It starts sounding pretty good. And then I walk in and I see, and it's three dudes. And it's my buddy Abe and this guy Chris on drums and this guy John on bass. And they were playing this ripping complex Damn. heavy like sort of like grind crust math like weird stuff and i was like that band's awesome and i and i looked at my chick i was with at the time i'm like that's a band i'm gonna sing for she's like whatever randy because they were really good yeah and like like the police showed up and they didn't stop playing like they it was, Damn. i was like okay that's punk rock i like that yeah you know and wow. so abe gave me a cassette tape of uh of one of their songs i wrote lyrics for it and then showed up to practice um a week later sang that one song that's you know late summer early fall 1995 and yeah and then it's that was burn the priest burn the priest i was yeah. gonna say that yeah yeah and and then you know wow it's i've been in the band ever since had you written lyrics before yeah yeah okay. sure for the other bands yeah not yeah, good yeah. ones yeah you know um, wow man that's fucking so it's 95 yeah and they formed in the winter of 94 and they were an instrumental band for a while they wanted a singer but they wanted a hot chick because mm. they figured girls would come to the show <laughs> yeah right but they got me instead <laughs> you're just as good I, I don't know shit. about that <laughs> <laughs> holy shit that's fucking crazy man so that's the beginning that's it right there man yeah and you you were out of school there or just working at, like what were you doing there? I was at that time I was working in restaurants. Yeah, that's right. I was working in yeah. a restaurant uh, in Richmond. A friend of mine actually owned it, probably a distant cousin we found out years later. Wow. But he was also a an old punk rock musician guy. He okay. opened like he he was in New York City. He opened the Hard Rock in New York okay. and he was involved in the scene up there. He had a couple of 7-inches yeah. and he was you know a New York guy playing punk rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he lived in Richmond, so he was cool as long as I was like, dude, I'm going to leave to go tour or hop freight trains or whatever. As long as I gave him 2 weeks notice when I came back, he'd be like, he put me back on the schedule. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Shout out James Talley. I love you. Damn. For always giving me a job. <laughs> oh. 
comes it, you come back to it. So, so burn the priest. So that's so. How long are you in that for before the name changes and it becomes like official and put a record out and stuff like that? We, well, we put out a record. We well, we were burn the priest until late nineteen ninety nine. I yep. think. Um, and we put out a record, uh, an album. We put we put out two seven inches. Nobody wanted. We developed our fan base in Philly, right first. Philly, okay. Yeah, because nobody gave a fuck about us in Richmond for a while. Okay. And then this guy I had met, my friend Mikey Brosnan, who was uh, kind of a well-known dude in the Philly punk rock scene. I yeah. met him out squatting in California. Gotcha. And we traveled back together. And he would book us shows in this warehouse called Stalag 13. Up, up like in, the band. Up in, yeah, up yeah. in Philly. Uh, in West Philly, there was a big warehouse scene there. And... um we were always playing with like punk rock bands, cross cross punk bands up there, and we started developing a following. Cool. And we were playing, you know, like Baltimore, um, Philly, sometimes New York, New Jersey, and stuff, and starting to develop a little regional following. And some record labels were looking at us, but no one wanted to sign us because they thought we were going to break up. Mm. Like I know Relapse looked at us because they wow. were like, they're not they're going to break up because we were too wild, you know, we, yeah. we drank all the time and we fight on each other on stage and all, the, you know, just, I was really self-destructive, crazy man. They're like this band, they're great, but they're going to implode. Yeah. So my friend Mikey, who booked us these shows, who I met squatting, we were both yeah. homeless in California. is like, I'll Damn. start a record label and put out a record for you. And I'm like, okay. It's amazing. So he, he took his, his, what little money he had and he, put out our first seven inch which was a split with this band from philly called zed and then um this guy rich from brutal truth he had a oh, record, truth, yeah. yeah he had a record label called deaf american he put out our second seven inch which was a split with a band called from california called agents of satan like a grindcore band and then my friend mikey like so we got these two seven inches out we developed kind of a regional following still and my friend mikey is just like Nobody's still wanting to put out a record. He's like, fuck it. So he maxed out his credit card and uh, put us in the studio with wow. this guy, Steve Austin, who was in Today is a Day, produced the oh, Burn the Priest record. And um, and then we had that record, and then labels started kind of... Coming around. Coming around eventually. Uh, and in like 99 or, or something, you know, um, Abe, the guy who had got me in the band originally, he left to like... He was, his heart wasn't in it anymore, and he kind of was pursuing his photography career. So um, uh, our original guitar player, Mark, had moved back from Chicago to join the band. And then our old drummer, Chris, his brother, Willie, he put him in the band. He's still in the band now. So these record labels are, like, wanting to sign us, and but we were tired of our name. Mm. Or particularly some You think it was hurting you, the name? I think it was more just like um, we were being misconstrued as like a satanic band or yeah, get that. like a black metal band <laughs> yeah. or something, yeah. you know, um, but I don't sing about any of that shit. Yeah. You know, it was I, judging by the name and how yeah. crazy you guys were. Probably. I come from the, the punk rock world, you know, and I, yeah. I, don't, I don't sing about Satan. Yeah. It's <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Because he doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> so like, <laughs> let's face it. And. So I like seeing you about reality. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and people are like, you know, I I guess we had a little la little 
pushback because of the name yeah. Burn the Priest, but not that much. I think it was more like it just kind of bothered uh, us internally. Okay. So this label, Prosthetic, came to us. We had offers from other bigger labels, but this was a smaller label who we knew we would be their priority. Yeah. Did your dad know the name of your band at that time? Yeah, yeah, he knew the name. What do he thought about it? I, I know we didn't really talk about okay. it. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I told you my dad was really square. Like, when we started making shows, he's like, we. the first thing he asked me about was the band after we'd been around for a while, he goes, you know, he's like, I mean, we're playing like house parties and, yeah, and squats yeah. and doing yeah. some club dates, but he's like, are you getting paid to do this? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I hope you're, I certainly hope you're paying your taxes. And I was like, <laughs> oh shit, are you out of your fucking mind, dude? <laughs> like we're trying to get spaghetti money, you know? <laughs> did he come see you guys play? Did he see no, we did once. It, that did not go well. Okay. My mom has seen us several times and she, uh, <laughs> she's a bit more forgiving. My father begrudgingly kind of accepts what we do now yeah and he knows that it helps people and he knows yeah. that it takes effort but like it is definitely not his cup of tea his kip no <laughs> yeah I, I, I can see that yeah, not yeah. at all so yeah. like wow I, I don't know so like labels started calling and then like this one label prosthetic wanted us and we're like okay we'll sign you you but we're gonna we're changing the band name they're like no no you know and and my guitar player, Mark, he's the one who named the band Burn the Priest. Okay. And he's the one who really wanted to change it to Lamb of God. And he's kind of a smart guy. He's like, you know, I don't want to be 50 in a band called Burn the Priest. and I, uh, We don't mm. sing about any of this stuff, you know? So we said, look, we're you can sign us. We're, we're changing the name. They're like, don't do that. And we're like, okay, you don't don't sign us then. And they're like, okay. You know? Wow. So that was it for that, or no? That was it. We changed the band name. They signed us, and wow, you know. and that's the beginning of it all, right? Well, I mean, at that point, we were a band already, yeah, five years. So then yeah. we did another four years on Prosthetic Records. Uh, did put out New American Gospel, yeah, as the palaces burn on independent labels, and on the that independent label, and they did well. We gained more and more sort of attention, but we were still. Yeah. Still working day jobs. Did you feel a difference when changing the name of the band? Mm, not really, because it was just, it was just kind of. I don't know. It's just, it was just kind of what it was. Yeah, uh, we weren't that. I mean, we, like, we could go and play CBGBs. Yeah, right? and and like, which was like. That's amazing, dude. It was the high highlight of my life at one yeah. point. The first time we played CBGBs. Of course. You know, I didn't. That's amazing. It, it was like, okay, this is it. Were you nervous playing there? Yes. Yeah. But I was pumped. We yeah, played for sure. first. This is when we, we played were, first. We were. We, this is when we were burned the priest. Okay. Uh, my friend Ralphie Boy from. The I know. Band. I know Ralphie Boy. Yeah. yeah. What up, Ralphie Boy? Yeah. You know Ralphie, of course. Yeah. Ralphie Boy booked us on this show called the Mad Grinders Ball. It was like this long ass matinee thing. Damn. And we were first of like fourteen bands or something. Wow. You know. And we showed up, and I and. I was like, I got there, I stepped in there, and I smelled all the stale beer and the, just the filth. And it smells great, though. Yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah, and I just like, uh, I was standing there in it. I was like, we are in CBGBs. And fucking made I, it. We I, made I it. Stuck, I, that was the biggest I'd ever dared to dream, wow. ever. Wow. You know, I stood on that stage and I was like, okay, I'm here. Okay, this is it. I'm done. You know, like like if it, <laughs> if it's over now, yeah, I'm in like, you know pretty much the birthplace of punk rock 
this is it. Yeah, this is man. ground Ramones, zero. Everywhere. Yeah. You fuck. know? And like we played the show and I was like, oh my God. You know? Yeah. And then like, you know, seven, eight months later we came back and, and we're headlining. Wow. Selling it out ourselves. Holy fuck. When I look at the list of like all your albums, I've I've been learning this lately with this podcast is that my band's been together twenty six years and when you have six albums. Mm-hmm. When I look at all the albums that other bands put on like, damn, we're fucking lazy, man. I you know holy fuck. I'm not quite sure. Like I think, and and I'm having issues. A little, like, there's a push now for bands to put out music too quickly. Every year, yeah. Yes, and that's horrible. Okay, that's horrible because your last record. There's no room for you to sit back and reflect on what you've done, dude. Okay, there's no room for you to kind of like grow artistically. It's you're you're Be inspired by other things. Yes, you're yeah. informed too much by your last record, but it's all about. You know, I, I saw something that fucking dickhead CEO of Spotify said like a few months ago. It's like it's not just good enough for bands to put out records every three or four years. Now the real the, the bands that are going to do well are ones that are constantly putting out content. Like, and, and it's like, dude, it's like it's just too much. Is what what happened to art? What happened to like the yeah. the meaning of this? Creative, yeah. And now man. it's a product, and yes, it's a machine. Like yes, now record tour, record tour, record tour. It's how we make our living. Yes, yes. But it's like I, if I wanted to be in the machine, I go get a fucking office job. Yeah, you know? so it's so true. So it, fuck off. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's okay. Like to take breaks. Yeah. That being said, how long have you been a band? <laughs> 26 years yeah you guys need to do another record so that's six <laughs> yes yeah and we have like a set we have this luck thing with the last we have a seven year gap in between these it's worked for us the last three records fuck great yeah if you're able to pay the bills and do what you do man yeah don't fucking fuck up what's broken so what wh- 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 what was the moment with uh lamb of god where you realized this is going to be a career band was it any of these i remember couple? it very well we were it was before we signed to a major all right we signed to sony epic uh, in like late 2003 and we mm. didn't really have management at the time so management companies were paying attention because major labels were paying attention to us and yeah they're like, sure they're making they're like oh we need to check this out yeah so um slayer's manager uh wanted to manage us rick sales and he as kind of a incentive was like i'll put you on two shows with slayer in london damn like we'd never been out of the country i think maybe canada but that doesn't count right okay. you know okay. um we had never been overseas we love canada though love yes canada. yeah of course but it just <laughs> it doesn't count as far as like i know what you're saying I, i'm leaving i know, you know? I we're, know we're still on north america yeah you yeah. know yeah, uh, yeah, we love Canada. Fuck yeah, we do. Go, so go to Europe and play with Slayer. Fuck. Yeah, well, so it's like we'll. I'll put you on two shows in London. You just you and Slayer. Dude. So we go. We fly to London. We played the London Astoria. You ever go to that gig? I've been there before. Not playing, but I've been to a show. It's yeah. no longer there. So, okay. but it was a great, great gig. We used, later came and headlined it. But I'm um, like, fuck. So like, well, you, you gotta be nervous for that. You probably love Slayer, and you're going. To play well, we're, we're. I was pumped, but we get there Uh-oh. and. Slayer on both nights was two nights in a row, sold out both nights, just us. When we were playing, people actually knew our music, and we'd never been to England before. Wow. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? What the fuck? Because, you know, I'd never been there before. It's a fucking weird enough experience as it is. Yeah. And then I remember looking and seeing Carrie King over on the side of the stage uh, with with a shot of Jägermeister. He had poured shots for and he was like gave me a shot of Jägermeister on the stage damn and I was like 
I'm in England playing with Slayer. <laughs> Main support, Carrie King, Carrie King just gave me a, a drink. We're getting paid for this. It's amazing. That, man. Like this actually might, I might be able to pay my bills. Yeah. Because at that point in time, we were still working. Yeah, you working jobs. jobs. Mm-hmm. So when we finally Damn. signed with a major label, which was something that made me super nervous coming from our world. Totally. It's a bad word. Totally. You know, like yeah. they're going to try and tell you what to do, which they never have yep. to their credit because yep. they needed us more than we need them. Mm-hmm. You know, we make money for them. But I was super nervous. But when we signed and I think I got my first sort of check, it was like the advance was like 30 grand or whatever signing. And I, that's the most money I'd ever seen in my life. Like 30, I think it was 30 or 40 grand. It's a lot, man. Yeah. I, I photocopied that check and Damn. put it on the refrigerator. I was like, it had my name on it. You wow. Know? I was like, I had to get a bank account. Yeah. It'd be official. Be in the I didn't have a bank account <laughs> until like 2003. Yeah. Wow. I always, if I got a check, I went to the check cashing place. Yeah. 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 I don't trust the man. You know? I don't respect that, that. In the system. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I work under the counter. But that, but that's a serious check. Yeah, damn. Yeah, so I, I can't like, go to the check cashing place now. Yeah, so it was just like, no, I can't. So I was just like, fuck. And that, that was really scary, getting a bank account. And then we had to decide, okay, are we going to quit our day jobs and give this 100%? Yeah. Because we have to at this point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was really terrifying for me. I've worked since I was like 14 years old. What year would that be? 2003? 2003, yeah. Damn. Yeah. And that's the last time you worked a real job pretty much? Yeah. Every now and then I would go back to the restaurant and cook just for fun. Yeah. Just just for fun. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Damn. And then after that, he starts. So the the show with uh, Slay was great, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. Good crowd, good reaction. All oh, yeah. they, they knew the words. Yeah, because I heard opening for Slayer is super fucking hard. We've never had a problem. Okay, because and we learned that from opening up for Guar. Mm. Guar is from our town, right? Yeah, and they're like big brothers to us. So they took us out on uh, on our first tour as Lamb of God. Okay, our first real tour. That's amazing. We were in a van. They're in a tour bus. Of yeah. But they're like, come on, little dudes. And like, they basically taught us how to tour. I didn't know what a tour manager was. I didn't know what a monitor guy was. I didn't Damn. know what, I didn't know what anything was. Yeah. And like those guys taught Take us. Take under the wing. Yeah. Yeah. But if you fuck around like Guar fans, if you give them half a chance, they will just guar you off the stage. Guar, guar, guar. Just like Slayer. Slayer. Okay. You know, and they're, cause they're there to see Guar. Yeah. Like Slayer fans are there to be, see Slayer. So we got on stage we did not leave hardly any space in between songs. Banging them out. Just super aggressive. Go out, hit as hard as you can, connect and leave. It's awesome. That's what we learned. Yeah. And we've, we've never had a problem opening for any band. That's amazing. Let's keep it going. Say a couple of things, keep it moving, right? Yeah. Just play your songs. Let the music speak for itself. Yeah, which I don't, and I also, I just don't, I was never really into talking to the audience anyway. Okay. You know? That's a super hardcore thing. <laughs> it's like, like for us, that, that's for us growing up, it's like, Next song about my friend. Oh, that's mm-hmm. like really like. I think it's more of a hardcore. Like I don't know. Hey, so, yeah. it's, also, it's but more like, like lear- about- also more. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, but I'm talking about more like interacting with the audience. Uh, like, yeah, 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 are you guys feeling all right tonight? Like that kind Let's of hear shit. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I some people can do that and kill it. I had to learn how to do that. Yeah, because after a certain point, you reach when you're playing to audiences, really big audiences. Like you have to make them 
you have to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> Were you nervous to talk to them or shy? Or I had to learn. Yeah. I had to learn how to do it. I just didn't want to do it. I was like, I don't fucking care. This is, mm-hmm. I didn't. I never thought we would be playing an arena. Fucking, you know, I, yeah. I, thought we, I was happy we were playing CBGBs. I didn't have to <laughs> like ask yeah. them how they were doing. They could, they, I would know if they were like throwing a bottle at me. Or whatever. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and you know? they're right in front of you, too. So it's like there's that immediacy. You know? mm-hmm. And then when you play like big shit, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. But like... But anyway, we started doing that and like you're just off and running, touring albums, everything. Yes, and then when we quit our day jobs, day jobs, and when I wasn't touring, I was I had already been drinking, you know, and partying and stuff. But since it, college, yeah, you never really stopped. Yeah, okay. So yeah, fucking college. So I mean, I, I'd started, I guess, in high school, but it really kicked off when you were out of ho- on your own. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, and I didn't. When we quit our day jobs, I no longer really, unless we're in the studio or getting ready to walk on stage, neither of which sometimes made a difference, I had to be sober. Yeah, you know, I had to be sober enough to do my job. Yeah. But sometimes I wasn't. So, okay. <laughs> like, so yeah. when I'm sitting at home, all of a sudden I have money for the first time in my life. I don't have to go work at the restaurant. I don't have to go get on the roof. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting there. I got money. What am I gonna do? And I'm gonna drink. Yeah. So that when we signed to a major, we're able to quit our day jobs. That's when the drinking really started. Okay. Progressing. Hard. So drinking by yourself, drinking at home, oh, yes. chilling. Oh yes. Wow. Did you have? Yeah. Wow. So that be, that's, that became an issue. Oh, because then you go back on tour and you're used to doing that every day, anyways. But you're trying to focus and be professional as well, have a career, go on stage sober, try to, right? All that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there was like being fucked up and crazy and unpredictable worked for us. My crazy, fucked up, unpredictable, like dangerous kind of, yeah, like it worked for us for to, to a degree because, like, I, you know, I grew up. Like looking at bands like, you know, Black Flag, like where sometimes it was threatening, crazy, crazy <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And I like that. Yeah, there's an a, an element of danger to that. I love that. So, yeah. like, not everything is safe. Yeah, you know, this is so especially like, the punk and hardcore back then too. It yes, was a different level. It was totally different. So like, like I wanted to bring that into my job because I respect it, you know, yeah. because it's real and like, yeah. I'm not here to really entertain you and like do a song and dance. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of your attraction to punk too. Even going to see all the skinheads outside Gnostic front, it was scary, but it's so exciting to be there too. You yes. Know what I, mean? yeah. I got fucking punched in the eye that night. That didn't stop me from going back to shows. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got fucking socked hard by a skinhead just because he fucking felt like it that night. Wow. You know? Yeah. 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 Some other still came back. Yeah, like, fuck it, you know. But that's the that, element. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Seabees was like that too. Seabees was like that too. Yes, scary man. Edge. Yeah, yeah. Like Richmond had that whole edge for a long time. We were like mm-hmm. number one murder per capita at times. Like, it was dark. Mm-hmm. It's much nicer now. Yeah, do I do remember that? Yeah. So like that. That's like that's, ugh, it's that's attractive. Energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like. Being fucked up kind of like, for me, made me wildly unpredictable. And sometimes that worked for us. 
Yeah. You know? And people noticed that and they're like, whoa, this dude is fucking out of his mind, you know? Mm-hmm. You're like, that's a good front man. But then after a while, <laughs> you just become a sloppy mess. Yeah. You know? You can't control, yeah, you can't not, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't control my drinking. Even if you guys all. were getting bigger and bigger and bigger shows and everything. Yes. Yeah. You would get more fucked up, maybe. Yeah. At the end, I had learned how to control it so that I could be sober on stage most of the time. Did the band ever sit you down and said, yo, man, you got to chill? Oh, yes. Okay. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. I don't like being told what to do. I know. And you're the only guy. If you guys would get off my fucking ass, maybe I wouldn't drink so much. Just leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. I was a real black sheep in my band for mm-hmm. a long time. You know? Yeah. So nobody else really drank except for you? Oh, no. All but, but you, they're, they're but, but a but band you went, of alcoholics. You went, the hard, you went the hardest, though. Oh, yes. I, at, at first, I went the hardest. Was it almost like a competition who could go the hardest? No, I, okay. I just didn't. I just That's what I was just like. I'm gonna yeah. do it. Let's just put it this way. There's three guys in my band now that don't drink at all anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're sober dudes. So. Okay. <laughs> so you, it wasn't just me. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Are you sober now? Oh God, yes. Sick. Clean and sober. Nothing stronger than caffeine or these stupid fake cigarettes that I, because I started smoking like an idiot when I was like eighteen. Don't smoke, kids. Oh, so you still haven't quit since then? You've been on e-cigarettes after that or something? Did you ever quit smoking ever? No. Wow. My chick tried to like. I went on to e-cigarettes. Okay. Which are much less. Yeah. Than but they're do. addictive too, huh? Yes, it's nicotine. I remember my chick tried to make me quit smoking one time. She's like, yeah, 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 smoking. I'm like, fine, fuck it. And then like within like, I think it was like a day and a half, she ran to the store and bought me a carton of cigarettes. She's like, smoke, please. Because I was a maniac. I was a nightmare. Does it relax you? It. I mean, it's kind of... You have to look at it like it, it it only relaxes you because you're addicted to it. Okay. See, if you never do it in the first place, it's not, it'll, it might give you a little tingly buzz or whatever, but mm. smoking cigarettes is the stupidest fucking thing because you don't get high. And I mean, I don't get high at all anymore. Yeah. But like- It must be so addicting. We're doing this since you're 18, but you can quit alcohol. Yeah. That's crazy. I yeah. quit alcohol and every other drug. And I've done every drug there is, except for the ones they've invented since- so yeah. even heroin, heroin. Oh yes, heroin. God yeah, loved it. Wow, shot it. No. Okay. Thank God. Okay. The only time Damn. I ever used a needle is we were in Thailand and I couldn't find the opiates that I wanted, but this dude got me some tramadol from which you can buy from the fucking. I don't know what that is. It's a lightweight narcotic. He probably got, lightweight you, to you, but maybe you probably get, kill me. Yeah. You you could buy it from like the pharmacy there, and it had these little syrettes, and you're like. It's individually Damn. wrapped, so it's the shoot it right in the, the ass. ass. Yeah. Holy shit! You were doing that while you're in the band too, dude. God, Fuck, yes, bro. bro. Damn, me and dude, and and like I'm not talking out of school, but my guitar player Mark, I love you, dude. Clean and sober, right now for you know going on three years now. Okay, because he, dude, I alcohol was my one true love. I like right. Yeah, like if you like cupcakes. Right, and then on the top there's icing, and then you throw some sprinkles. But you really you're gonna love the cupcake the most, right? The Mm -hmm. sprinkles. Drugs are just the sprinkles. Alcohol was the cupcake. Gotcha. So for my guitar player Mark, though, like, and I'm not talking out of school because he's public about this. The the cupcake was opiates. Okay. And the sprinkles was like alcohol. So like. Damn. Okay. So he got really bad, worse than I did on the 
on the drugs and I got worse than you did on the, on the alcohol. Yeah. And like both of us are now totally clean and sober. Dude. How, how long are you sober for now? 10. Wow. What? It's May? Like 10 and a half years now? It's amazing. Congrats. That's yeah, amazing, man. I Holy got sober shit. on tour. Damn, probably almost broke the band up several times. All you guys partying. Had oh, yeah. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a mess. There's many times. I, I, I'm... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or you wanted to quit the band and you were too yeah, fucked up. Yeah, I mean, like, well, like, I would be unreasonable, but I a lot of times mm. they would start fucking with me because I was fucking up, and then that would, if they were fucking with me, I'd get mad, and, and then, you know. Think they were attacking you and shit. Yes. Like, and, yeah. and I mean, they were, like, they didn't, to be, to be, like, I mean, we're all learning as we're, as we're going. Yeah. You know? And they didn't understand what was happening with me any yeah. more than I understood what was happening. With yeah. Me, you know, you think you just, you were just so rebellious because of your upbringing, because your, your dad was so straight laced and your parents you think were, what you were kind of re, like when you were rebelling against being raised, maybe like your parents are kind of strict religious and you were out on your own, like fucking, I'm just going to do the opposite of everything they wanted me to be. I think, I think that's kind of a, um, that's uh that's a simplistic view of like, okay. of, I'm a weirdo, dude. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, even when I wanted, when I was younger, to like fit in, and because you want to belong, yeah, people wouldn't accept me. Yeah. So it wasn't so much my parents. Yeah. It was the rest of the world. I got you. You know, although like black sheep from birth. Yeah, and yeah. like, and only when I found like the punk and hardcore scene, and like that was your tribe sort of art scenes. Like artists, weirdos, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my family. They accepted yeah. me. Gotcha. You, know? you could be yourself finally and be not worry about yeah, shit. And nobody's gonna judge you because you don't have the right sneakers. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. No, I get it. Fuck, man. I didn't realize how much of a party party the whole band was. That's that's crazy. You guys are still together and now you guys are sober. It's awesome. Yeah. Like it says a lot about your band, your friendship and your fucking brotherhood as a band dude we, we are so we are closer now as a band than we ever have been before yeah yeah so how many years so the band's been together now fuck this a long time my band's first show was 1994 to december 30th so right around, around the same time we kind of started i guess yeah yeah they started uh, in the in the winter of 94 and i yeah. think they played a few shows without me and i joined in like late summer early fall 95 you know august or september um and dude, and you, you've done so many fucking guest appearances too. Like the list of your guest appearances are insane, man. So many projects you've been on. Yeah. So many fucking bands. Just to name a few, mate, Body Count, Overkill, Josta. How do they say Go, Gojira? That's Gojira. What, yeah, Cannibal Course. Everything, man. So many fucking bands, dude. It's a lot of time. Like you, you've been so many guests. And then even like, um, even like going on tour with Pig Face. Yeah. Uh, singing for I Hate God. Yes. Uh, fuck, man. Bad Brains. You did some singing for Bad Brains? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. When? What, you didn't know that? <laughs> no, that wasn't in my fucking deep dive. For uh, when? I've done the last three shows they've played, bro. But I do the fast stuff. HR does the mid-tempo. Holy shit, where were those last shows at? Where was it? So, that? the first show. That must friends, be a dream, dude. Uh, dude, they're my favorite band of all time. Yeah. And they're, dude, I, I love and respect each and every one of them. Yeah. So, I, our friend, our mutual friend, everything good comes from Josta, by the way. Yeah. Josta. Shout out to Josta, Josta, Shout out to Jamie Josta. I love you, brother. 
really do. Josta introduced me to John Joseph. Got you. Who I became friends with. Yep. And then I. JJ. And, yeah, go yeah, ahead. And who, lo- love, love you, dude. So I was, had a brief radio program on Sirius XM. I was having some legal problems at the time. And Jose, the main dude at Sirius XM, was like, do you want a radio program just to help me keep my mind off shit? And I'm like, yeah. Mm. So like, basically, I got to interview whoever I wanted and just be like a punk rock geek. So That's I great. had dudes from Sam Hain and Misfits and COC and Cro-Mags. And I was talking to john joseph and he's like what a, what a fucking guest do you want to get you know <laughs> i want one the dudes from bad brains he's like i'll call daryl for you sick so daryl drove down from woodstock uh to new york city and i met him and told him a story about stealing a bad brains record when i was in high school which i felt terrible about <laughs> and i tried to pay him right? oh shit okay you know on air and i'm like dude i stole this record and i, I feel terrible i was a shithead um, from their merch table or something? No. Okay, okay, okay. No, I wouldn't from, have done from that. From where? From where? From a record store. Okay. Which wasn't cool because it's an independent record store. Mm. You know? Yeah. But I, yeah, I, but you I, needed that record. I, I, you know, yes and no, but like, yeah. it's just, especially stealing from an independent record store, mm. it's just shitty. I was a shitty fucking kid. Damn it. What can you say? Yeah. You know, so I was trying to make it right. Say sorry, yeah. I was like, dude, I stole this. I stole Eye Against Eye when it came out. And, and I'm like, bro, I don't even know how much it costs them, but can I just give you this money for it now? And Daryl was like, why don't you keep that for your lawyer fund? Because it's having legal oh, yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you're awesome. You know? <laughs> so we became friends. And then Daryl had an art show in Brooklyn coming up. Uh, he's a painter at the okay space which is a gallery run by the roots uh, okay oh shit nice yeah like quest love runs it or whatever and either hr didn't want to do like the fast stuff anymore yep reggae only yeah well that and like mid-tempo stuff like ignition you know yeah it's just not his thing you know you've had him on the podcast yeah i know yeah for sure special dude slow it down yeah he does what he wants and he deserves it. he's the best you know so so like, I guess because I already knew Daryl and, and somehow they're like, do you want to do the fast songs? And I'm like, yeah. So we didn't tell anyone we were playing this art gallery opening. And um, so people showed up at the open. The gallery hold like 75 people and there's all this equipment. And everybody's like, what's going on? Damn. And then um, uh, there's Daryl's sort of reggae side project played. Yeah. And then... The rest of the Bad Brains came out, and they played four. They played three reggae songs in Reignition with HR, I think. Then I came out and did Big Takeover, and I think Band in DC. Fuck, I just little goosebumps. That's crazy. And then yeah. Sid McRae, mm-hmm. R.I.P. Sid, the original singer of Bad Brains, came yeah. out and sang the Regulator for the first time in over thirty years. Holy shit, that's I was amazing, there. dude! And it was seven songs, and it was like blam, 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 and people were like the place went off and people were like, what the fuck just happened? And then we disappeared. <laughs> Into so, the night. Yeah. Yeah. So then they're like, yo, we're doing riot fest. Do you want to do some songs with this? I'm like, yeah. So I went to Chicago, Chicago did riot fest with bad brains. And then they're like, yo, we're playing this thing called the growler six in San Pedro, San Pedro. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're like, do you want to do some songs? I'm like, yeah. Dude, so it's like a dream, there, dude. Yeah. Dude, I do fast shit with them and like 
You know, it's like it's incredible. If they're like, will you do want to do some songs? I'm like, yeah. You, you, I, I just I exist to make them happy. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, because they have, <laughs> they have given me so much. Yeah, like, man. So much in in my life. Them and the whole rest of, of the, our music scene have given me so much. So yeah. Like, if they need me, I'm just like, cool, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's humanly possible. I will be there. It's hard to name a favorite Bad Brains album too. Mm, yes, it is. For me, it's so, either it's either the Roar Cassette or I Against I. Yeah, I can't say the same. I love I Against I. So I like I love Quickness too, man. Yeah, Quickness is great. Oh, Mackie, shout out to Mackie. Dude, Mackie killed that shit. Yeah. Damn. Um. Fuck. Okay. Let's keep this move. This is amazing. Um. Yeah, the Bad Brains. Is that one of your favorite bands? You could say favorite hardcore band. Of They're all time? my favorite band. Period of all time. Okay. They are my favorite band. There's no competition. Band. None. Okay. None. And I saw them at the height of their powers. You know, Back then, yeah, yeah. I saw HR come out on stage, and I was like, "Oh, dude, it was intense, intense, yeah, dude. so intense." <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no other frontman can. No, I've never seen anyone top him. Yeah, period. I think one of the first times I heard Lamb of God too is I'm really good friends with Melissa Cross. Oh, you know Melissa. And I was on the screaming. I was on the screaming and Zen for that's a That's right. I think I was on there with you. Oh, we gotta yes. We I gotta love Melissa Cross. Yeah, she, dude. Dude, I have heard your name so many times over the years. And like, that's where I heard yours from that too. I've heard your names from different people that we know. Yeah, it's a small world, and, man. It's yeah. like and it's it's crazy. But yeah, Melissa Cross, dude. The screaming and yeah. that should change my life, dude. Yeah. I still always, always lose my voice and stuff. And I warm like, up I warm up yesterday. So, you know? Yeah, and just like the people on there like she was doing Back then was uh, I forgot the bands, but you were one of them. That's when I mm-hmm. first heard. That's right, man. Probably in the same DVD together. Yeah. Um, okay, I want I want definitely want to get into the uh, you being arrested and all that stuff. I know you told the story a million million times. Right. If you don't mind saying it. Yes. But it, I'm gonna take a pause for one second. I have to go pee really bad. Cool. Can, yeah. can we? Can, yeah. Good. Yeah. Stop that. This is amazing. Okay, we are back. I took a pee. Um, Randy smoked his little thing. He's chilling. We're all good to go now. Not weed. Not weed. Um, but as the palace is burned, that's a fucking incredible documentary, super emotional. I love my whole family watched it and obviously people know the story, tell the story uh, a bunch of times. And, uh, but just knowing the fact you were doing a documentary, then this occurred during that right. changed the whole fucking, it was so basically in a nutshell, um, 2012, you arrested in the... 2010. Che- 2010, arrested in Czech. No, 2012, you're right. I'm doing, yeah, come on, I did my deep diving. Uh, you got arrested in Czech Republic for yes. a previous concert that happened two years before in Prague. Right. Where somebody somebody was fell, pushed off the stage. It's weird because online I read different things, but in the documentary I saw a different angle, a different thing of it as well where supposedly uh, a fan was pushed off stage and he, and he died. Yes. And you had no idea about that. None. And you don't come back to Europe for two years, and then you get arrested when you fucking get there. Nobody said nothing with the internet, with everything you knew nothing about for two years. That's no. so fucking mind-boggling to me that nobody even reached out to you. Right. Well, the American government was uh, in. They were, the Czech government reached out to the American government, right? And they were like, um, "There's a young man who died after a concert by this a month after this concert. I believe it was a month after we had played in mm. 2010." Thank you for telling the story too, man. From a head injury. Um, and uh, we are getting reports that perhaps a singer pushed him off or whatever, and we'd like to uh, investigate this guy or whatever. So they reached, the Czech government reached out to the American government. They did the right thing. 
um, the American government looked at it and was like, ah, this is bullshit. It's a, you know, show. And wow. we're, we're not going to send this guy over to you or whatever for this. Right. So I guess that's cool, except for the American government never once contacted us and said, by the way, uh, you're wanted for investigation in the death of another human being in a, in a foreign country. Yeah, that's strange. They never reached out to you. That is strange. So we played this show in 2010, and it was a really rough show. Like Saw the footage, yeah. Like, there were constantly, from the first, from the first literally 40 seconds of the show, 30, 40 seconds, I have video of, of up to a certain point. Yeah. Um, I was in the doc too, I think, right? Some of the footage. Some of it, yeah. yeah. There's people constantly on this stage. Crazy. It was very crammed. We had a lot of equipment. It was really crowded, really dangerous. There was a barricade, which contractually we have in our contract. We need a barricade. Um, and it's got to be this far from the stage, and it's got to be of this type. We need security in front. Not so much to protect us. But to like catch kids, totally. You know, hundred percent. So shit like this doesn't happen. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um. They had a busted ass barricade that was pushed flush up to the stage, which was basically a ladder, and security guards didn't do anything. There was like one or two, I think, on either side of the stage, and yeah. so kids were constantly on stage running into us and stuff. Um. So I remember that it was just a bad show and constantly being like. You can't be on stage. There's not enough room. Banging into all of our shit, everything. It, yeah, and it, so you're gonna knock one of us off, or the equipment's gonna fall and kill someone because a lot of heavy shit. Yeah, you know, there's no room. This is not the pylon stage. You know, <laughs> it's not the time for yeah. the youth crew sing along. Yeah, and <laughs> like it was just crazy. And I remember we left, and I'd been, I, I was. I hadn't drank any that day. I know this because I found a diary later. Oh, wow. That I had kept, right? Um, but I remembered, I remember I didn't drink at all, but I remember I was looking at my diary. I was really getting tired of my drinking at that time. Mm. Um, and I got sober later that year in 2010, October 18th, 2010. I was in Australia. But that was still in the summer of 2010. And I remember I was getting really sick of drinking. And I was like, I'm not going to drink today. So we went around Prague. And then we played this horrible show. And I was like, fuck. And then as we're getting ready to leave, my publicist calls me and lets me know that my friend Paul Gray had died, who played bass for this band, Slipknot. Right? He had died. So, wow. like, I was like, fuck, that sucks. I guess I'm going to have a drink. Because what he died from, a, you know, substance abuse okay. you know okay uh what what do you do when someone dies of substance abuse naturally you abuse some substances <laughs> like a dipshit so i remember taking a, a like a drink as we were leaving going to poland to play the next show um or we were going to germany i can't remember but yeah we were going to poland and uh but i hadn't drank anything that day you know yeah so and it was a terrible show and there were kids all over the place and shit. And I remember telling them where to stop it. We had no idea anybody had been hurt or anything. Yeah. You know, so we left and are uh, your show, are your show, sorry, are your shows usually that crazy with people on stage? Back in the day they were, but yeah. like it's got to the point now where that just can't happen. Dude. Okay. If we didn't dude, it just way. No dude. Like yeah. it would be a nightmare. Yeah. 
it would be a complete nightmare. So that was like kind of a weird off night, kind of like small, tight, packed place. Yeah. Well, and and security didn't do their job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and there was one kid who kept on getting on stage, falling all over. So finally, I put him on his back, and I, I remember very distinctly, I put him on his back and got on top of him like you do a dog, like no, <laughs> no, and he was fucking hammered, right? Yeah. And eventually, he stumbled up, fell off the stage himself. You know. Um, he wound up coming to the trial and testifying on my behalf later. I saw that. So, like, so we leave, and, and uh, like, that's that. And then, like, you know, a few months later, I get sober in Australia. We were on tour of Metallica. And, um, no big deal, Metallica. Yeah. Huh? That's but, amazing. Metallica is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're, yeah, great dudes. Um, I get sober there, and, you know, a year and a half or so goes by, and then we. Almost two years goes by, and we show back up, and we're over in Europe doing the festival run. Yep. You know, and we fly from Norway. We play this awesome festival in Norway. We (laughs) got there from, like, the dressing room to the gig in, like, a sailboat. It was awesome. Wow. Through the fjord and shit. (laughs) Life was awesome. (laughs) So we, we, uh, we fly from Norway to Prague to play the first show in like two years. Max is fucking shit up. I know. And it's a serious and, story, man. Chill. It's all right. I don't Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Just busting his chops. I know. I know. Okay. So we fly from, we fly from Norway to Prague and we had a day off. And I remember the last, the only other time we'd been to Prague, it was a beautiful city. And I was like, I got a day off. I'm going to walk around and see a bunch of historical beautiful shit. Beautiful city, man. It's so beautiful, man. I, yeah. I have a lot of love for the place, even to this day. But I had it all planned out, some places I wanted to go, and we get off the plane, and we're leaving, and uh, there's this woman in the hallway, or this dude in the hallway, taking passports from some people as we walk by, and we're like, okay. I mean, you've been to so many different countries, dude. Totally. You know, it's like, it, it's a different procedure, procedure yeah. everywhere you go. Totally. So I'm like, all right, well, that's where weird. I give it to him. And then as we get to the, the end of the runway, uh, I noticed that they were pointing some people to the right and some people to the left. And Excuse I me, got, anxiety, man. <laughs> I got pointed to the right. And I walk to the right, and in this room, I see all the other passengers getting off. And in this room to the right, I see my bass player, and I see like four or five dudes, like big Eastern Bloc Slavic motherfuckers, muscular guys, with machine guns and pistols and knives strapped to them and face mask all you could see was the holes in their eyes oh my and then God. there was like two or three other big plain clothes detective type dudes and then this blonde woman and i walk in and i'm like i see these people and i see uh my bass player and i'm like Phew, someone is in trouble and i started laughing right oh my God. and i'm like it's a party it's a party going down right here. I start singing, like, cooling the gang to my bass player. He goes, like, nah, this ain't no party, dude. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But I'm like, I'm not thinking anyone in my band or my crew or myself. Yeah. Because these this dude, this squad looked like they were there to get Bin Laden, bro. Wow. They looked like they were to kill a terrorist. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Face mask and shit. That's crazy, yeah. So I'm just like, whatever. And then finally, they, they, bring, they bring my whole band and crew. They funnel us all in there, all the band and crew. And they look at us. And finally, they come up and they look at my, this woman looks at my passport. And she looks at me and she goes, are you David, David Reynolds Blythe? 
Bluta or however she pronounced it. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, okay, this is for you. And handed me a piece of paper. And it, and I was reading it. And it was saying, from what I could understand, because the English was really kind of mangled, that they, that someone had died at a show, our previous show there, and that uh, they were going to charge me with what I assumed to be the equivalent of manslaughter. Dude. Which I was correct. And... um. I was like, I remember my guitar player, Mark, looking at it. He's like, oh, someone died at the show. And I'm like, yeah, and they're charging me with killing this guy. And then the lady's like, okay, I need you to gather whatever medicines you need. You're going to have to come with us. Like, if you have medicine. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Because we're, you're going to be gone for a while. So I grabbed, well, you, <laughs> I grabbed like a pack and a half of that I had of cigarettes and... And like uh, I think some medicine I was on at the time, and um, and they took me off to jail. And so, are you, what are you feeling at that moment when you're reading that? Were you, is you, like your heart dropped? You like everything you, got surreal. really everything slowed down. Everything time slowed down, like because I do really well in stressful situations for some reason. Yeah. And everything I was like, okay, this is very serious. All of a sudden. Everything slowed down, and I it was like I, I, my senses became like hyper aware of everything that was happening. And I remember thinking to myself, "Okay, you need to pay attention very closely to everything that has happened right now, and you need to be very careful with what you say." You know? Yeah. Because you don't know what's going on, and you're being arrested. Language barrier, all that. You're shit. being arrested in a foreign country, and. You know, uh, it's I grab my stuff as we're walking out. But my, I think my guitar player. Someone said, "You, hey, can, you might want to call a lawyer." I'm like, I thought, no shit, dumbass. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. So I, they carried me off, and we're in the car. They put your handcuffs. Oh, uh, did they put me? I think that yeah, they put me in handcuffs. Definitely, they put me in handcuffs. Oh um, my god. They put me in handcuffs and walked me to the car uh, out in front of the Prague airport and. Uh, I got in the car and it was me and uh, this one plain clothes detective in the front and this other cop driving. And as we're driving, the the cop, the detective tried to like kind of be like buddy buddy with me, like mm-hmm. good cop, but bad his cop. Eng- yeah, but his English was really bad, right? <laughs> yeah. And he didn't. I guess he didn't understand that I, I under I know the psychology of cops and good cop, bad cop. Yeah. He was just trying to be good cop, good cop, but it was in really broken English. He's like, "So, what do you remember?" And I'm like, I, "I don't think I'm going to say anything until I have a lawyer." He's like, "Well, uh, surely your memory is not. You seem like a smart guy." And I'm like, I, "I think I need a lawyer." Yeah. And he just like, he was bombed. <laughs> you know, she totally didn't say anything to him in the car ride. Kind Fuck of no, dude! It's yeah. just like it's like, dude, haven't you ever seen any? Don't you guys have cop TV shows over yeah. here? You never say anything to the cop. Do you start thinking you know, like I'm gonna go to jail for the rest of my life? Do you start thinking about like I'm n- fucked forever? Start, nothing no, like that. Tra- no, okay. at okay. that point in time, I'm like, this is some sort of terrible mistake. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like maybe or or somebody you know maybe. Someone is is like uh, trying to pin something on me. I, you know, yeah. I, I don't. Your mind's know. probably racing. Yeah. Well, it was just like I don't know what's happening, so I'm just going to be very calm and I'm just going to sit and I'm going to keep my fucking mouth shut until I see a lawyer. Okay. Which kids? That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then you get to the police station, you right? Get to the police station. Is anybody speaking English there? Yeah. Okay. Cool. 
So this woman, um, the woman who handed me the piece of paper, oh yeah, she comes in and starts questioning me, and I'm like, I'm like, I think I need a lawyer before I answer anything, you know. And she's like, we're working on it, but it was like a holiday or something, so it was really. And by that time, obviously, my band had contacted management and our lawyer, and he was oh, working yeah. on getting a lawyer for me yeah. in Prague. But they were kind of like trying to get me to talk. Uh, and I was just not having it. And, and this woman is like, finally, the, the the woman who handed me the piece of paper, she was a detective. She's like, would you like to know what the charges you face, what, what the sentence is? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, five to 10 years. No time off for good behavior. And that's, if you're sure. found guilty of that crime, there's no like, in America, do yeah. five years, do three or whatever. Yeah. Fuck, man. So I was like, okay, cool. And I just Still sat, calm. Yeah. sat there and w- I was very, very calm, you know, um, because a, I'd been sober about almost two years by then. And like, I'm just like, okay, this is, this is a serious part of my life that I have to deal with, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So she tells you that, yeah, those, th- that could happen to you. And like, okay, cool. I need a lawyer still. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Like, I, like, could you please give me my fucking lawyer? Does that mean you need a physical lawyer to appear there from America or you need someone on the phone or what does I that know mean? what? Does it mean you need your lawyer to come there? Well, physically? no, I couldn't have an American lawyer. Okay. In the okay. Czech Republic. Mm. So it has to be someone who, who a speaks English and B is, you know, a member of the Czech bar. I guess that's what they call it. And so I got a lawyer. Luckily, uh, Martin Radvan, rest his soul. He, he passed away recently. Oh, really? Yeah, he was a great dude. Wow, man! But he was a guy. He was he had lived in America for a while because when Czechoslovakia, when the Czech Republic was still Czechoslovakia, when it was still the Eastern Bloc, yeah, you know, which was you know until what eighty nine, I think. Um, he had done some work uh, for people who were political being politically persecuted. Gotcha. So he was advised by someone he knew in the government that he might want to leave Czechoslovakia. Okay. Because it's a communist country. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And they don't fuck around. Yeah. So he had gotten, he he had done some lawyering for some political dissidents and helped them stay out of jail. And the government was like, okay, fuck this guy. Okay. Luckily he knew someone. So he went to America and lived here for a while. Okay. And, learned really good English, spoke, you know, yeah. sort of colloquial English like an American. Yeah. So he was my guy. And um, and then by the end of it, I had like five different lawyers. I think. Yeah, man. <laughs> it was not cheap. Yeah, so so how long were you there in, until he came into your into the mix? It was a couple of days because it was a holiday. So the lawyer came into the yeah. mix? Uh, I think, no, I think, I think it was like 16 hours or something. Okay, yeah, I was yeah. in like a holding cell. Then he met me, and then I was in the city jail for another two days, and then they carried me to uh, a courtroom where the charges were read against me, and um, they Fuck. set a bail, and um, and then he said, okay, uh, you know, hopefully you'll get bail soon or whatever. My lawyer was there and and they carried me off to prison. So Pan- <laughs> Pankratz prison, which is 123 year old at the time prison. It, it was like, it was like being in a misfit song. Dude. <laughs> oh, shit. Were you scared? Were you nervous going there or scared or anything? 
Yeah, I was nervous. Okay, 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 <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not gonna front because you're, you're being so chill. But now it's like now I'm gonna go to. I still I maintain chill, but like the outside, yeah, yeah, like but like yeah, going to prison is fucking scary as Fuck. shit. Holy fuck! So was, that, yeah. So now you're going to prison. Yeah. For how? For, all right. So now now they're gonna keep you there. So you, so what about what about uh, bail? What about so I was so my bail uh, was almost a quarter million dollars, right? Fuck. So my band contacts our label and is like, look, our singer is in prison in the Czech Republic and bail or whatever. And they're like, so they loaned the band, you know, I think it was $240,000. Okay. All right. And I'm told, okay, your bail's been paid. It's all good. Unlike in America, though, the prosecutor got wind of this and he's like, I object. I object to the conditions of his bail. I object. So then it's got to go back to court. Back to court. Yeah. So then Fuck. this goes on. I was in prison. I was in jail for three days. I was in prison for 34 days. So uh, somewhere in those 34 days, it went back to court. The bail thing did. And they're like, okay, we're going to grant you bail. Um, we're going to grant you bail. Yes, you can get on bail. But now it's double. So now the bail is up to half a million dollars almost. We've already borrowed a quarter million dollars from the label. Yeah. So luckily we have friends and I'm not going to say their names, but they're wealthy. Um, thank you dudes. It's awesome. And they're like, they had contacted my band was like, if you dudes need anything with this, let us know. That's you know? incredible. man. Yeah. So they, they, bloom, there's another quarter million dollars. Wow. And, um, I the bail was paid and then they kind of had to do it secretly because if the prosecutor had found out he could have objected to that and I could have been rearrested on other terms. So I got out of prison and spent uh you know a night or two at my lawyer's house in Prague and then kind of snuck out of the country. Like we didn't let him know. They did it on a weekend, so I guess wow. the prosecutor wouldn't know. There was a I, I flew, right? But uh, there was no announcement that I was out of prison or anything, right? Holy they, shit. There was a, a whole other plan at one point where they were going to like, there was like this ex-military commando Russian guy who was going to get in a car <laughs> and drive me over a border so I wouldn't be arrested, like leaving the Czech Republic, but they sorted it out somehow. Holy shit. It was real crazy, dude. It was real fucking crazy. <laughs> so... Fuck! What's what's it like in the pr what was like in that prison? Like, did you have a cellmate? Yes. Were people did people recognize you? People? I had scary? one. I had one, and this is an awesome story. I was, it was scary, yeah. But every everybody Fucking knew jail. why I was in there, right? Because I was the mm. I was the number one news story in the Czech Republic okay. for a while. Okay. Like, the number one news story. Wow. Okay. And it's not a good thing to be the number one news yeah. story for, right? Fuck. So I was in a cell in the jail for three days and then they took me to prison and I had a Mongolian cellmate named Dorge. And uh, like my third day in prison, this guy comes by, right? And he's just like, it's a guard. He opens the, the door and he's like, he looked really nervous. And he looks at me, he goes, Randy, I saw you at, uh, at Rock'em Ring. <laughs> I saw you up front with Vinnie Paul and so and so from from Pantera. Oh my god! I saw you watching Alice in Chains, and I saw you. I saw your band. I love you. You have to get out of here, Randy. This is fucking stupid. Because some guy hurts himself stage diving. They don't know. You have to get out of here. And I'm like, Yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> and he's like, Just you have to believe. You have to. He's like, Got this wow. word. And he's like, 
he hands me some cigarettes, right? Wow, and that he had, and he didn't smoke. He had gathered some from me. He put them through the little bars, and I'm like, thank you, dude. And I'm like, hold on. And I went, I always have in my wow. wallet, I always pick up my guitar player's guitar picks. Shut the door, babe. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I can give them to whoever. Wow. So I'm like, hold on. And they had let me keep my little wallet in yeah. prison. I gave him a guitar pick. Right? It's amazing, dude. So, and then he disappeared. And I wrote about him in my book. And I was yeah. like, dude, if I ever meet you again, the beers are on me. That's incredible. So, man. like, about two years ago, we did a cruise. We did the Megadeth cruise. Okay. And I'm walking through the hallway <laughs> on the cruise ship. And this guy comes up to me with a foreign accent. He goes, Do you remember me? And I'm like, we were in, in the water somewhere in between California and Mexico. And I looked at him. He goes, I met you in Pankrat's prison. I'm, and it was the guard. Oh, my God. And I was I like, do. holy fucking shit. <laughs> and, and <laughs> so we did this like Q&A like answering thing, right, with with this guy. I mean, with, with the with the audience. And, and uh, I told that story. I was like, this guard gave me some cigarettes. And, yeah. And it was really, he was the first person that treated me like a human being in totally. that prison because he was a fan. Yeah. And I was like, and he's right here right now. And I owe him beers. So I had my guys, I'm like, go get him a round of beers. I had my manager go get him and his boys some beers. And I told everybody, the whole boat, I'm like, that dude took care of me in prison. Buy him drinks. Oh and like, my God, that was dude. the last I saw him because people got him <laughs> fucked up. Like, took care of his he made it off the boat, yeah. But it was this incredible moment, dude. Holy shit, so I saw I, saw I met him in prison, in the basement of a prison, and I met him on, on the cruise ship where my band was playing. That's fucking beautiful, man. That's incredible. Yeah. But you, were you eating food with everybody? Were you, like, secluded? Were you, like... They brought food to our cell, right? So, yeah. And, all right, so... Food was brought to your cell, and we were allowed out of our cell one hour a day. First of all, when you go to Pankrat's prison, everybody goes to, to get checked for to see if they're depressed or not, if they're a danger to themselves. Wow. You know, they're mentally ill. So where do they put you? They put you in the basement, which mm. is the most depressing part of the fucking... I'm sure. <laughs> ...of the prison, right? Yeah. Is depressing as fuck, right? <laughs> so, and the whole place is crumbling. Like, there, there'd be no way it'd be allowed it's to be open. Scary movie, here. yeah. You know, like yeah. human rights organizations here where like, people would throw a fit, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's depressing as fuck. It's unhealthy as shit. There's mold everywhere and shit. Damn. So they bring you food. You're allowed out one hour a day when you're in the basement. You go to this little tiny cage and there's like everybody in the basement goes there. The guy in the cell next to me luckily spoke English. He's like, look, when they, when you, you're going to get a psychological evaluation. When they ask you what you think about the prison, if, if you're depressed, do not tell them you're depressed. Tell them it's fine, you're okay, <laughs> because otherwise you'll get stuck in this basement. And I'm like, oh how do God. you know this? And he's like, because when they asked me, what did I think of the prison? I was like, what the fuck do you think? I think it fucking sucks. You know? They're like, oh, you're <laughs> depressed. You got to stay in the basement. So he had oh. been in the basement for a month. Holy shit. So I stayed in the basement for like a couple of weeks. And then they're like, okay, we're going to move. They gave me the psychological evaluation. And this woman evaluated me. And I was just like, I don't see what people are complaining about. It's not that bad here. It's fucking hell, dude. Like it's sure. a terrible prison. Fuck. Like they feed you expired food, like 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 fruit with worms in it. Like oh just my gross God, shit. Dude. It's dude. a horror movie, man. Yeah, it's a horror You're movie. You're probably starving in there, yeah. Yes. They say the, the jer there's a joke uh in in the amongst the prisoners in in the Czech Republic that if you want to go on a diet or lose weight that's the prison to go to holy shit the food is so bad so you and no, i did fuck. i did lose weight you you dude you'd be toast you have no books or nothing with you none of that shit oh uh, that's i you get want, later yeah, yeah yeah 
but like, so they moved me to population eventually, which is by that time I had two Mongolian cellmates, George and Gambold. It's a, it's like a joke. Two Mongolians <laughs> and an American rock singer go to prison in the Czech Republic. You know, it's crazy, man. So they were they were cool. I, one of them was cool. One of them was like uh, really racist and out of shape and fat and lazy okay. and, and like would make fun of me when I'd work out. George the fat one. All he'd do was sit there and eat on his bed like chips and shit. If you're doing push-ups, he'd be like, "Ah, you weak like girl." <laughs> it's like no matter how you did, yeah. He was like the world's worst personal trainer, just like this fat dude. And he hated. He was really racist. Like Obama was the president at the time. He was talking shit. Yeah, he was talking shit. He's like, "Your president is a chimpanzee," and I'm like, "Fuck you, dude." Jesus he had darker skin than Obama, you know. Wow. I was like, "You're, you're fucking." He was a ridiculous human. Is being. he still in there? You think? No. Okay. 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 He was there because he was a drunk, you know. He and he kept was there on like not having a work visa or okay. whatever, and he'd like wreck a truck. He was. A you drunk. had like a serious charge there. Yeah. 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 So I'm sure he's back in in Mongolia now. They deported him. Um, but <laughs> so the, they, they moved us to population, which is you're still in a cell 23 hours a day, but then you get to go out to the yard, not in this yeah. little cage. And that's where everybody is. So mm. that was intense. People staring at you and shit. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Did you feel threatened like you could get your, get jumped or anything? There or was, was one dude I watched real close. Like when I walked out in the yard the first day, I walked out and I was like, okay, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. And and I'm I'm going to fucking kill someone, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. like you, you, that's the way you have to think, dude. Yeah, you know. But the problem is, is that their language check they don't express emotionally the way that we do. So yeah. they kind of sound angry sometimes when they're not. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's hard to tell if someone's yeah. beefing or not. So I was just like, <laughs> I'm just gonna walk out and I'm gonna sit my back against the chain link fence. I'm going to wait. And I did. And people looked because everybody knew why I was there. Everybody. Yeah. All the television, everything. Yeah. Yes. The celebrity in there. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. But most of them were just like, it's about the money. They they were like, this is bullshit. So, Mm. and then like they were getting the papers and like, like Ozzy, you know, Ozzy Osbourne and Sharon sent a letter to the judge and offered to like do a free Ozfest and donate the money to charity if they would honor my bail. Yeah. Yeah. Ozzy wow. and Sharon tried to look after me. So, like, the prisoners are like, Ozzy Osbourne is talking about you. <laughs> like, wow. Like, it's crazy. That's fucking crazy. But I walked out the yard and, like, nobody fucked But there was one guy who was giving me the stink eye. Mm. I watched him the whole time I was there. I was like. Every know. time you around him and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, but he never did shit. He was just staring you, at, staring yeah. you down. Yeah. Damn. So it was it was hectic, and I also it's had like a movie. Man, I had friends who I'd made in the basement who like <laughs> they had been moved to population at general time. So when we were out, I kind of started talking, hanging with them. Yeah, but Are it's you doing like, like weights in the yard and shit like that. Are you doing shit like that? I don't know. No, not in that yeah. yard. Yeah, thirty-four days is a long time, man. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's 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 not. I mean, I know dudes who have done a lot more. No, I know, I know, but, <laughs> you know? but still, it's a foreign country. Like, what the fuck's going on? It was really weird. That I think that was the whole thing. It's just like I, I don't know what the fuck is going on. We keep yeah. on paying our bail. We paid it twice, and then they're still they they we raised it and we paid it, and they're like, okay, we, we think we're gonna honor it, and it's just like, what the fuck, dude? It's a lot of money, man. Yeah, yeah. And the guy said, oh, it's just about money. Like, interesting. Yeah. 
Fuck, man. So, but when now, so now you sneak out, so because you can, you did your bail, and now you can. We obviously have to come back, but now you're now you get out, and you go back home, right? Yeah. And how long are you home for before you have to go back to trial? Um, I was I, home. I, that must have felt amazing going home. It was. Uh, uh, immediately had to go on tour, pretty much. Fuck. Uh, we played it. We played our first two shows like ten days after I was prison. I think not fest. Yeah. Not yeah, and how many shows you have to cancel when you get arrested? Did you have a whole tour. You had to- a lot. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, fuck. So I had to go on tour because all this shit costs a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, and and we were losing like we, you know, the fans, dude. Like we did, we sold some like stuff associated to like our band, like memorabilia yeah. and stuff like that. And then fans donated money. Like, dude, they are the reason why I like just didn't like lose everything. Didn't, wow. Didn't lose my house. Didn't lose. You know, they, it's amazing. they fucking helped. They hooked it up, dude. So I love you dudes. If y'all are listening. That's to incredible. And man. ladies. Yeah. And so I saw, like, I think the footage you come into the, from the airport and you come home. Remember that? That's yeah. like super emotional. Like fuck man. So now you're home and you're, you're kind of free. Because the trial hasn't happened yet, but you get out of there. Right. And everybody's are like asking me what's going to happen. Are you going to go back? And I'm like, yes, yes, I'm going to go back. Because, I mean, they, they never would have extradited me. I didn't have to go back. But I, that's like, it's not like a parking ticket. Yeah. You know? And also, yeah. I needed to know, dude. I, like, ethically, like the young man who died, his his family never came at me. They never were like, fuck out, Mark. Mm. They just want to know what happened to their kid. Totally. And who wouldn't? Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. Who wouldn't? And yeah. like, did they and, reach out to have contact with you at all? Uh, d- towards the end of the trial. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, um, but they just wanted to know, man. Yeah. You know, and, and I get it. And I could have like just stayed in America, but like, I knew I had never tried to hurt anyone. Yeah. It was a matter of trying to explain to these three judges who are all raised in communist Czechoslovakia who have no concept of what a metal oh, yeah. or a hardcore show is. Like, yeah. None. Probably so crazy to them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To, had to explain this to them. And, um, I mean, so, like, yeah, I was going to go back. But, I mean, some people are like, I wouldn't go back. It's like, well, fuck you, man. I, I got to yeah. figure it And this, you know, I knew I, I didn't do what they were saying I do, you know. So th- so you didn't have to go stand trial. You chose to go back there. That, yeah, they, okay. they never would have extradited. Yeah, they, they never would have extradited me, man. There's no fucking way. The American government wouldn't cooperate with them in the first place, remember? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, had I wound up in Europe, I mean, it would have been like, you know, I'm sure there would have been like because the EU and stuff. I, I would have been arrested in Europe or whatever. Yeah, gone back there. But like, like I mean, especially since there had been so much attention given to the case by that time. Insane, yeah. But I mean, I could have chilled here, and like, some people yeah. never leave America. Yeah. So, so hauling you home before after because you do a tour, right? Now you're yeah, on a tour. Do, do a tour too. How is your mental? Like, are you thinking about the case the whole time and trying to fucking um, like just live and be happy and not? I'm trying. Because you don't even know what your freedom's going to be at that yeah, point. I just tried to like really stay in the moment. Uh, and because the only, I, you know, I kind of like, my my mind was like, I'd been sober, right, for a year yeah. and a half. And by the end of my drinking, I was just ready to die. Mm. So pretty much anything was better than that. And that's yeah. might be, it's hard for people who don't have 
an addiction or or something like that to understand that you know yeah but i would have rather stayed in prison rather than take another drink wow i wrote about that wow yeah wow it's powerful because like i was pretty sure i could survive prison i don't think i could survive drinking wow man so like my mentality was like okay this is something you have to face and go through Mm -hmm. um and Try facing it's totally sober, yeah. It's yes, reality, and, yeah. And, yeah, and try and um, you know stay in the moment and realize the reality of your situation and remain grateful for what you have. You know, yeah. Gratitude is a powerful tool. Yeah, fuck, man. So going back for the trial. So what was that? How long were you home for? Did you had to go back a couple months. No, I was home for I think six months. Oh, and then a I long went time. back. I went, yeah, because we did like one or two tours, uh, and then I went back uh, uh like a month before the trial started to start preparing for the trial mm. and i was in prague for a month was it would you get was it nervous going back there and like landing there and going back and yeah oh hell yeah dude Fuck, I've been so hell anxious. Yeah. even though i was like legally i was out on bail legally i was doing everything legally yeah it, like the prosecuting attorney had like a real hard on for me and i know it's mm. because he he uh, was a policeman before, and you know the American government was contacted by their police, and the American government said "fuck you." Yeah. So he basically was like, "Well, okay, well, fuck you." Yeah, but you didn't even know about. It. You even know they were contacted. Oh yeah, that's the most fucked up thing. They could so have told you like, two years before. There was a political element to this whole thing, for uh. sure. You know, um, it should have your best interest though. If they're calling in, it's crazy, man. I nobody, don't know why. I didn't nobody do told you shit. Nobody told us shit. Yeah. So I mean, I would have got this sorted before. It's like I said, yeah. it's not a parking ticket, bro. I know. You know it's not dude. something you just ignore. So Fuck. I go back to to Prague, and I was there for a month for the preparing trial. for the shit, preparing yeah. for the shit, talking with all the lawyers, getting everything together, and um, and you know, I was nervous at first, but I like, I walking around Prague. I mean, I walked around by myself, you know, and. And nobody ever said anything to me except for one old man. I was walking through um, Winchesloss Square. It's a beautiful square there. And I hear this old man call my name. He goes, Randy. And I turn around. I'm like, oh, here it is. I'm going to get cussed out. And he goes, it is good that you came back. Wow. Okay. And he walked away. He was showing me respect because I did an interview right before I left where they're like, Mm. will you come back? And I was like, absolutely. I'll be here. Yeah. I gave my word. So nobody, and I, I like the, I was there for such a horrible reason Yeah, this trial, but I really grew to love Prague mm. is so beautiful. So man. beautiful, man. I spent a month there and like in the winter preparing for my trial when I wasn't preparing. You came for back by trial. yourself? Huh? You flew back there by yourself? My, with my, with our band's lawyer. Okay, cool. Jeff, cool. um, who wasn't able to represent me in court, but because he is. Uh, he understands our world. He yeah. worked with my Czech lawyers to kind of, right. you know, it's so important. That's my awesome to get it across to these people. Yeah. So yeah, I was there for a month and I just shot Fuck. a lot of photos and walked around and just tried to enjoy what I could of the place. <laughs> yeah. What, what did you, were you thinking that you were, you were going to be found guilty and go to jail for the rest of your life? I didn't know. Yeah. I knew, I knew if I was found guilty, I'd do at least five years. You know, is it hard to sleep and not stress out and not want to drink and and not fall back to that way? Drinking wasn't, I think that's the whole thing. It's like, it's like for me drinking, uh, when something bad happens, I'm never, 
I don't think if I ever drink, I never say I'll never drink again because I don't have a crystal ball, right? Yeah. I know that I'm pretty sure I'm not going to drink for the rest of today. <laughs> yeah. That's all I have to worry about. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. If I just keep doing that with every new day, just don't drink today. Yeah. It's cool and it's not hard. But like, I don't worry about stressful things making me drink. Yeah. Right? Because I automatically I'm like, ah, oh, that's how I used to deal with things. Mm-hmm. And I know that doesn't work. It only makes it worse. So that's not what I'm worried about. What I worry about is if I get lazy and things get too good. Mm. When I'm chilling too much. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, oh, I got this. You know? Yeah, because that's where we originally kicked off too. That's on the deal. Yeah. yeah. That's how like alcoholism will sneak up on me. It won't mm. be the death of a parent or losing all my money or going to prison or something stressful. That's not how it will attack me. It'll come from the side when things are good. Gotcha. So you're super focused, super strong on the on the case, learning all about it. Mm-hmm. Figure out trying, what you're, you're going to say. Trying to trying to figure out because it had been so long ago, and there were so many different yeah. testimonies, conflicting testimonies, because everybody has different meanings. And to me, there when they were asking me, "What do you remember about this night and this part of the show and this part of this?" And it's like, dude. Think about it. How many shows have you played, dude? So many. Just, yeah. Can you tell it's me what happened during the second half of the third song in 1999 I'm, No. in CBGB? What happened? I know. Nothing. I, mean, <laughs> I remember. And it's like, and I'm sober. And I don't even yeah, know. Yeah. I know. Fuck no. Yeah, it all like it's, blurs it's together. It totally blurs together, man. They try to like dissect the whole show and yeah, shit. Fuck. It's crazy. So Damn. So I just, you know, prepared as much as I could and like... Unlike America, when in America, what happens is, is if someone's being charged with something, they get up and they read the charges, and then the prosecutor examines you, and then the defense attorney cross examines, and then they do all this other stuff. But it, it, in the Czech Republic, what happens is, is the person being charged gets up, and they read the charges, and the person gets up being charged just gets up and gives their whole account of the events first. Okay. Wow. Okay. So I had to practice that a lot. Yes. But yeah, dude. And it was a lot of it was like really intense. But the check, I they kept on telling me you have to dial back the emotion because Czech people are not outwardly as emotional as we are. Mm. And I'm a pretty animated person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Like you. Yeah. <laughs> totally. You have to chill. Wow. Yeah, they're like, you have to chill. And I'd be like, okay, I'd chill. And they're like, more. And I'm like, really? And they're like, more. And they're, they're, they're too much emotion. I'm no like, emotion. dude, if I, if I get any less emotional, I'm going to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So no emotion. It's like, yeah. Just like Stone this. cold. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty much how it was. Damn. And that served me well at the end. Yeah. It was when I was found not guilty. I'd already decided I will show zero emotion no matter what happens. Mm. Zero. But then when you're by yourself, you're like, ah, you're so freaking out. When I was by myself after I was found not guilty, I finally broke down probably. After I talked to the family of it. Yeah. After, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. Is that the first time really talking to them after, right? Yeah, I talked to them after that. I mean, that's Holy stuff I'll never sh- publicly talk about, course, you know, but, like, but after that, I just sobbed. I would, but that I was the like, first time I had cried. Wow. Since I'd been arrested. Y'all yeah, just feel like such a relief. It's like, fuck, man. Yeah, it was like, there is a relief, but the fact of the matter is that a young man died. Yeah. And like, although there's no, I, I we don't know exactly what happened. Mm. My 
understanding in my mind is that the kid probably got on stage and I turned around and pushed and, mm-hmm. he, went, and he went off. Or he could have jumped or he could have, nobody knows, right? Yeah. I, my instinct is is that he had come onto the stage along with all these other people and yeah. I turned around and was like, get away. And he fell and hit his head, you know? Mm-hmm. Now that, does that, and I was found not guilty, right? I think, but they said you have some moral responsibility. I found out later why they did that. That way we couldn't fucking sue the, the government for mm. all the money we had spent. You're not guilty, but you have some responsibility. That way the government is off scot free. It is something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a money thing. It's fucking crazy. So, wow. But I agreed with them in that I did have some responsibility because the show was so crazy. I should have stopped the show. Yeah. I should have said, fuck you, fuck this. We can't do this. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're playing a show. You're in that moment, is just, I don't know. And it's... people, you know, people are paid money to see this and, they, and they're going to be fucking pissed. Yeah. They're going to be like, you rock star asshole. No matter what, yeah. people are going to be pissed. I should have stopped the show. If I had done that, that kid would be alive today. So that is my responsibility. Wow. And I take that seriously. Yeah. Yeah, but you're in the moment you don't even think about because you don't even know what happened. Like, yeah, you was just a, a chaotic show in this venue that you know it was this one night that the show got kind of crazy. But you you didn't think or saw somebody get hurt at that moment. Then if somebody no. you were like, "Yo, stop! Somebody's got hurt," they, you know what I mean? Like, stop the show! This is fucking crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. you were just having a show going off, having a good time, and yeah, fuck, man, that's fucking I wasn't crazy. having a good time. Okay, okay, okay. I was not having. You a would good do- time You were trying to. You were trying to dodge everybody on stage. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. I remember all of us at the end of that show were like, fuck this place. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, I got you. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, the story's crazy. I mean, that story's just... After that, then then I'm sure other bands start thinking, damn, I, I, I got to be careful on stage now. People come on stage and stage dive if I even hug somebody. or Because now sometimes kids come up to put you in a headlock and they try to take a selfie. It just, it's, just, dude, it's just crazy. Dude, that, that shit is whack, dude. I know, I know. And like kids, like some of them are like, oh, being on stage is always a part of it. And it's like, look, dude, I want you to go back and like stop romanticizing this shit. I want you to go back and look at videos at some older shows. I want you to look at the videos of how the bands treated the dudes that wouldn't get off stage. Mm-hmm. You're 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 yeah. gonna you're gonna see some people getting fucking knocked the fuck. Out. <laughs> you're gonna yeah. some, get some be, some people getting dealt with. Yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. like, if you don't want it to be like the '80s, trust me. Yeah, you guys don't want that. Yeah, we talked about <laughs> that earlier. Some of the footage the bands we mentioned. Yeah, like yeah. even with the fans and stuff, or mic stands, just all that crazy yeah, shit. Yeah, you, you, these these kids, yeah, y'all don't want that. Yeah, so <laughs> and so and so like yeah, the barricades here for a reason. Obviously, is to keep everybody. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, and so when they make it over there, all that shit. Yeah, it's so fucking. It's so. The story's so crazy, man. Just watching and the way you're just doing a doc and then turned into that. Yeah, well, we were making a documentary about our fans because we'd already done like the stupid, like these dudes are a party animal band kind of (laughs) idiots. And we're like, oh, we better turn the camera around and like show how music is universal, you know? And then, yeah, and then that shit happens. Fuck, man. So I did the trial and was found not guilty. And then you go home. Then I go home, and then it's still another like year, I think, where like the prosecuting attorney, even though the family had said, in court, they're like, look, we don't think him going to prison is going to make anything better. You know? Mm-hmm. We just want him to know 
how much this has affected us. It's rightfully yeah, so. Totally. You know, they were, I got really lucky. They were very cool. Um, but the prosecuting attorney had a hard on, so he objected. So mm. then that went back to court. I had to wait. I didn't have to go back to court for that one, but even though you're not found not guilty, you still yes. He wow. objected to my my innocent innocent uh, verdict. Okay, and, okay, okay. And so then they rejected his appeal, and then he had chance to appeal one more time. It could have gone to the Czech Supreme Court, but either they chose not to see it or he didn't use his second appeal. I never found out. So it was wow. like a year after I was found not guilty that it was finally. Wow, man. So altogether, how long was the whole? It just seems like it seems like so fucking long. It was long. a long time. Just being in jail for one day seems like fucking long. You know what I mean? Like yeah, let alone 34 days and then fuck, man. Yeah, it's. It's so cool. You had the closure with the family, all that. That's so important. And like everything is just, I don't know, man. That's, I, I couldn't even imagine, but I'm sure moving forward after this, what happened with you, fans are so fucking like, I'm not going to hug somebody or slap somebody five or shake their hand or anything. Bro, I mean, I definitely had talks with some of our mutual friends. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to say names. I'm sure. I'm sure. Band and crew guys. I was like, you monkeys better calm down. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, man. Some of this wilding out shit because like, dude, I so many, when I got out of prison, people were like, really? They locked you up for that? So many dudes and bands were like, I've done so much worse. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I'm this like, footage on YouTube of bands like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, so I like, I mean, I caught a bullet and like, yeah, man, caught, like, yeah, I caught a bullet for, for peeps, yeah, <laughs> for some peeps, so like, pay attention, y'all, but and, you, and it really like, like, like it, like, I mean, I want people to have fun, dude. I know. I don't want everybody. I'm dude. I mean, no you, offense, no offense. I'm not Ian McKay. Of course, I love and respect Ian McKay. Um, yeah. But I'm not too. like having a Fugazi show. Like, no, for no, sure. Nobody's bumping into each it's other. It's totally different. Totally yeah, different world. I, I yeah. want motherfuckers to go off because yeah. that's what we do. But, and, and there may be an injury or two, but like not a deadly injury, you know? But like, I, yeah. I, for me, it has made me really super cognizant of like, let's just ask you what, what sort of, um, precautions can be taken to lessen danger to people. Yeah. You know, band yeah. and audience. And, you know, all, also the, all the people on the stage also, I mean, dude, I mean like, you know, I knew Dimebag and, yeah. and Vinny is a dear friend of mine. As a matter yeah. of fact, they read a letter he wrote explaining the whole thing, translated to check into the, wow, really? Yeah. He wrote oh, a big long letter describing his brother being murdered from first person perspective, explaining why, Security is important. Wow. So like, I mean, we were drinking with Dimebag a few months before he was murdered. And then we're in England and then you get this call. It's like, yo, they killed him. Damn. And that's fucked up. So <laughs> fucked up. So like, that's in your mind too, you know? You had so much support from everybody, man. Incredible support, man. Mm -hmm. All different bands, everything, man. It must have felt amazing though. It is very humbling. The love, man. Very yeah. humbling. The love is very, is very humbling, man. Yeah. And... You know, fuck. I'm just very lucky, you know. Yeah, and I, yeah. And then and I, go ahead. I want, I, I do want people in bands to be like aware because, like, kids, dude, this kid who died, he was 18, 19. Fuck. Kids don't, they aren't thinking, mm -hmm. you know, they, they aren't thinking because they're kids. I mean, yeah, I can't judge like 
an 18 year old for doing something stupid. Yeah. If I think of what I did when I was 18, 18, get the fuck out of here, man. You know? So I think it's like response. It's bands have to be responsible at least to try and make it as safe as possible. Yeah, for without sure. killing the vibe, you without know killing I mean? the vibe with energy. Yeah. yeah, was it was it nerve wracking playing your first shows back, or did you have a different perspective when you go on stage and now, obviously now, are you so aware in tune with everything going on you're playing now? Do you feel like all eyes are on you after that? Did you feel like that? I mean, the first show we played when I got out of prison was not this. Was in front of like, fuck, you know, ten thousand people or something outdoors, and they were. They, like this band Machine Head, yeah, you know, they played before us, yep, and uh, we were in a cornfield in Iowa somewhere, <laughs> thousands of people. Um, Machine Head played, and then they blew the power. So we were like, we walked over the stage, and the power was blown, and we were like half an hour late going on, and we remember standing behind the monitors, and they were chanting "Lamb of God," and, we, and then they just started chanting "Randy." Oh, Randy, I saw the footage just in the dock, Randy. I think. Yeah. Yes, dude. And yes. I'm just like standing there, like, what the fuck? Holy shit, man. So, like, I walked out on stage and, like, it was crazy, dude. Was it emotional? Was it? Yeah, it was emotional. For yeah, me, I can't right? imagine, man. Fuck. But, but then, then when you your own shows and you have the scurry and all that, you're like, yeah, I think people that know to come it's, see your band now know that they're not going to come on stage and try to. No, I, there's still some knuckleheads. Okay. And I, I made very, like, <laughs> very like plain and then still do like you if you get on stage you're thrown out mm. and this is why i'm still waiting trial dude yeah and people are still trying to get on stage Fuck. and i'm like you fucking idiot like like i can't nothing can go wrong right now yeah nobody can get hurt no yeah not man. even a broken pinky nail <laughs> you know yeah because if that that looks bad on me yeah dumbasses. you know yeah. what i mean and do you feel like for the rest of your whole career you're gonna feel like that be like on not on eggshells but also Super conscious now. I'm more conscious. Yeah. I'm more conscious. But like we've always like, dude, we stop shows before when people have gotten hurt. Yeah. Or like, you know, or when some dude, like, I mean, we've stopped shows when like chicks have had their shirts ripped off. It's like, you just, don't do that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Show respect. Yeah. Like we'll stop shows if there's a problem. I've done it for years before that shit happened. Yeah. And will now too. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's been a long time now. It's yeah, it's been, been a long time. It's it's been almost ten years. Damn, since I got out of prison. Wow, you know, and the trial ended because it ended in twenty thirteen. Yeah, it's been it's been eight years, eight or nine years. Did it change you? Did it make you a different person? No. Okay. No. You probably learned a lot about the justice yeah. system, all that shit too. Yeah. Though getting sober stuff. made me a different person, mm. or yeah. made me turn back to the person I was supposed to be. Drinking yeah. made me a different person. Mm. Getting sober made me who I was supposed to be. Yeah. It's such an insane, insane story and insane shit it went through. Like, yeah, you seem like very uh, in tune with yourself. I mean, I think it's like age <laughs> yeah. and like trying to, I don't know, trying to stay sane in this crazy world <laughs> yeah yeah and you're surfing now too yes and that's that something new you started i feel like the connection with the ocean especially i started doing it during the pandemic because my son surfs and started taking him at five in the morning then i started trying trying to surf just being in the ocean it's just such a peaceful i can't expl- i can't explain it man it's the best like when you watch the surf docs and people talking like it's this 
experience of this. It's really true. Like once you're out there and it's just calm, even if I'm not even a good surfer, just being out there in the ocean. I don't know. Just something magical, man. It's very, it's my, my church. It's my connection to nature. And the other thing is, is it shuts off the brain once you're surfing because you can't think while you're surfing. Yeah. Cause everything's changing. So, so fast, so fast. You just have to do. Yeah. So it shuts the brain off. And and what made you start? I know you said you skated most of your life, but the surfboard thing, have you always, did you live by the water mostly? Or no? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always, I'm from a coastal region. Like yeah. my mom lived in Riceville beach, um, North Carolina and lived near Virginia beach, you know, always near the ocean. I always loved the ocean, but, and I skateboarded since I was a young kid. Like, it's so different than surfing though, no? Do you feel like it is or no? It is, well, it's the same and it's different, but I didn't, the reason mm. why I didn't surf is because I didn't have money for a surfboard. Surfboards are expensive. They are. Skateboards. Oh, are, I know. Yeah, yeah you do. Skate, <laughs> skateboards are not as expensive. So true. And so like then when I I got done with the the whole trial and touring for a little while and I you know, had a literary agent hound me to, do you know Tim Bohr? Do you know our book? It's my agent? fucking it's my boy for yeah. like 25 years. He used to book us back in yeah, the day. Yeah, well, Tim. Shout out to Tim Ward. I know you guys work together. Yeah. He's, he's a our, fucking G. He's been G. our booking agent for 20 What? Years. Yeah. Shout out to Tim Bohr. I love you, man. Yeah. So he That's was dude. convinced, trying to convince me to fucking talk to this literary agent after I got out of out of court. And I'm yeah. Like, Bro, they want me to write about this whole shit. I'm sure. I mean, I want, document everything, man. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I don't want to write it. And he's like, will you please just talk to this literary agent? Finally, because he's my boy. Yeah. And he's Love from our more. world. Yes, he is. Like a real, real motherfucker. Totally. Um, I was like, okay, I'll talk to this dude as a favor to Tim. And it wound up being my literary agent. And that was 2015, right? 2014, maybe? Okay. Yeah, 14 when I started talking to the literary yeah. agent. And then I started writing the book. And um, and I was I got a beach house down in Cape Fear, North Carolina. You said Cape Fear? Cape Fear. Sick. It's the region. Great movie. Wilmington, Wrightsville Beach, yeah. Carolina Beach. I got a beach house down there on Oak Island. Uh, and I was, you don't, you can't find it like this anymore, but it was 600 bucks a month, a block off the ocean. Wow. Dude. So I used my book advance. I was like, I'll get a beach house to write a book in. for. And that's what I did. And <laughs> I wound up keeping though. it for like four or five years until the landlord decided to remodel it. But wow. 600 bucks a month, dude, you can't beat it. That's ridiculous, dude. So, but while I was there writing my book, I was like, okay, I actually have enough money for a surfboard. I'm going to learn how to surf now. So cool, man. I think I was 43. I started surfing. It's incredible, man. It's a life changer, though. Yeah, love it. You're and a longboarder mostly, though, no? Yeah, a, a lot of the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mostly, primarily. Like, I'm old and lazy, and <laughs> shortboarding is, it requires more effort. I remember the first time I got up, and that was last year, I just stood up for even a couple of seconds. It just feels so because skateboarding, you can. I remember telling you you need to surf. Yeah, because <laughs> I was going there a bunch of max. You yeah. knew that, but like skateboarding, you control. Like I'm on a ramp, I'm on the street, but when you're on the board and and the ocean's controlling, it's it's a weird energy. It's I can't explain it, dude. I want to get up like six times, but like those times, are like holy shit, I'm on top of the. Oh, it's so yeah. crazy, dude. Yeah, it's the I best. can't I can't explain it. Like, and I now I get what my son's addicted to it. He goes like twice a day, or whatever. It's just uh -huh. just just being out there is so peaceful. Um. Yeah, and then your book came out, Dark Days, a memoir, correct? That's what yeah. it's called? Are you going to do another book, you think? Yes, I just nailed out the wow uh, the the final proposal, and my uh, publishing company accepted it. So same publishing company. Awesome. So I got to, you know, 
write this over this next year. That's awesome. What's this going to be about? Just life? Uh, yeah, but it's sort of about perspective. Nice. Um, the last book was about personal accountability. Yep. Like the story of what happened to me was just the vehicle I used to convey the theme of personal accountability. And like this book is more, is going to be more about like trying to maintain a proper perspective on life during difficult times. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people have lost their shit recently. Yes. Because of this pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah. And other things. Uh, but like, it's really, it's not the end of the world, dude. <laughs> like, we're not in the Middle Ages. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was Man a crazy year, but, like, we made it through. and Mankind has gotten through far worse. So yeah. Like, you gotta use a little PMA, you know? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta. Yeah. And so was the pandemic, did it have any uh, effects on you, like, negative effects? Or was it... Dude, I'm not trying to sound like a dick because, like, I know some people thrive, some people didn't. It affected I, I, people in different ways. That, it's a horrible. I, I know that it was horrible. Yeah. That, that it killed people and totally. Like, it's real. Yep. And 100. percent And and you know, I was cautious. That's why I'm vaccinated. You know, I want to do everything right, but like. It wasn't that big of a fucking deal to me, like the actual, other than the fact that it was affecting other people and it made everything uncertain. Yes. You know? The uncertainty. The uncertainty. Uh, but like when you, I'm not trying to sound like a tough guy, I'm really not, but when you've been to fucking prison, right? And you don't know if your life is going to go down the drain yeah. in a foreign country, this is just not a big deal. Yeah. It's just like, okay, I'll sit back and wait mm -hmm. and I'll watch. And I've, I'm fortunate because, you know, um, I, I have ways of making money other than yeah. the band. You know, I can write and, and mm -hmm. do other things. And I'm, I'm not a rich dude, but I, I live in Richmond, Virginia, and we're fairly responsible with our money, and it's not that expensive there. So yeah, like, $600 a beach fucking front. You wow, know, so yeah. I can like, and I'm not a materialistic person. Mm -hmm. So I can just sit back and, and kind of, Stay Take a it little, all in, yeah. yeah. Stay a little removed from it. Mm -hmm. It was, I did. It was a little bit harder, like lack of human contact after a while. Like physical contact got to me, sure, because I'm a hugger, dude. And yeah, like, you know, <laughs> and like just not being able to hug my friends or my family or my grandma, especially. She's a mm -hmm. hundred, you know. She turned a hundred. I wasn't able to, yeah, to to hug her. On her, I, I got to actually hang out with her and hug her for the first time, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. This shit's so important, the human contact stuff. Man. Yeah, it's it really is. Because for a while, like, social media was separating so many people, and I feel like in a positive way, it connected a lot of people during the pandemic, just worldwide, so people could see what other people were going through. But before that, I was like, dude, people don't even see each other anymore. I see, oh, Randy's out, he's, he's out there skating. He's, he's okay. I shouldn't have to hit him up. It looks yeah. like he's okay. But I don't know how you are mentally. I see you're skating and doing this or surfing, but people really check in with each other. So I feel like that people more people checked in more than ever the past year. Yeah, I think there was a lot more. I think people reconnected. Yeah, people hadn't talked with in a long time. Yeah, you know? so much. Um, I want to mention too. You have a non-alcoholic brew called the yeah. Ghost Ghost Walker. Uh huh. It's pretty sick. With Brew Dog. Yeah. 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 When did that come out? Has that been out for a long time? It's been out for about a year now. Yeah. I guess. It was supposed to launch at this Megadeth tour, which mm. got postponed and postponed and postponed because <laughs> yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah. And finally we said, fuck it. So we just launched it for mail order and it went, it's, it's their best selling mail order. That's amazing. And when's that tour kick off the Megadeth tour this year? 
August 20th in Austin, Texas. Sick. So it's it's Mega- exciting. Yes, it's Megadeth us co-headliner with Tribune in Flames. It's a sick tour, man. Yeah, um I want to talk about two another thing too is Paradise City or acting. Yes. You did acting before though in something um I looked online something about you did something a while ago. I don't know what it was though. I did a movie called The Graves, a horror movie. That's it. It was kind of a, a B budget <laughs> yeah. horror movie where I thought it was going to be a natural actor. I thought I was just going to kill it, but I didn't because <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for actors. Yeah. Like what they do is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um so they're, they're all it's also weird, you know, <laughs> depending how deep they get into it. <laughs> yeah. But then I did I also did um a Taiwanese uh, political kung fu comedy. I think I saw that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's random, huh? Chong, Chong, I think is how you say it. Chong. <laughs> I'm friends with a Taiwanese metal okay. band. Sick. Called Phonic. Their singer is actually a senator in Taiwan. They started their own political party. Oh wow! To represent the youth vote. That's fucking but awesome. They, they're a huge band from Taiwan. We met them on Ozfest, and they made a movie and. Asked me if I wanted to be in it. Hey, it's cool, man. So they flew me to Taiwan. Yes, yes. Holy shit! It was rad. I was in a, a movie called Shoplifting from American Apparel. <laughs> That's my, what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> which is based on this book by this guy named Tao Lin, who I can't stand the dude's writing. At least that book, it's like the worst. But my friend Brad Warner, who's a Buddhist monk and also uh an author and also an OG hardcore kid. He was in a band called Zero Defects from okay. Akron, Ohio, who did shit with like Dead Kennedys back nice. in the day and shit. He wrote a he he wrote a book called Hardcore Zen, which Hardcore Zen? Yeah. Punk rock monster movies and the truth about reality. It's amazing. Okay. It's amazing. I'm gonna book. check that out. Yes. Okay. And he lives out here actually in LA now. Um but he's a actual Zen master dude. Lived in Japan <laughs> forever. Um but he was in this movie, Shoplifting from American Apparel. Okay. And I played the manager of an American Apparel <laughs> who catches him shoplifting. What? <laughs> <laughs> it was really weird. Super random, yeah. And then I was in another movie. with It was me and David Vincent from Morbid Angel called Hair Metal Shotgun Zombie Massacre. <laughs> what? We I played the sound guy and he played the lighting guy and we heckled the band. So. Great. That's crazy. In a few movies, and then I'm in the show Paradise City. Yeah, with Dre Mateo and fucking Lorenzo, yeah. man. That's yeah. sick. Larry. Yo. <laughs> show he's, me show you me sound like him. How'd that come about, you being in that? Uh, you know. Um, There's billboards all over the city and shit here. It's crazy. I know. I know I've know. i known Lorenzo. Sworn for enemy. Many, for many years since the sworn enemy. Great human, years. man. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, he's New York. He's beyond human. He's like, he's something else. He's, yeah. He's doing so well. He's doing so well, man. But he came out here to be a wrestler, yep. I think. And then he started working with Ash, who owns Sumerian yep. or whatever. And then Ash did that movie, American Satan. And then kind of Lorenzo co-wrote the Paradise City stuff with him, you know? Yeah. And they, for his band, Over It All, over it all? Yeah. Okay, that's over, right, that's right. Over it all. Uh, <laughs> you know, obviously they needed a singer and they I think they reached out to Josta and me and whatever else. It's cool. So Yeah, so I get lots of people t- talking about it too. Yeah. Um I also love your photography too. Like you you were doing so much during like um all the all the all the marches, all this stuff happening around yeah. the East Coast and your your photography's incredible. Um did you ever take classes for that? No. 
Just self. No, it was entirely an accident, and it's Jamie Josta's fault once again. Does Jamie take pictures? No. Jamie. He took some of him, though. No. I have. (laughs) But I had decided I wanted to unplug from the internet for a year. I was fucking sick. And you did it. What year was that? Well, this was right before I got arrested. Mm. I had decided, like, I was sick of cell phones. This was in 2010, and I was like, I'm going to unplug from the internet. Wow. And fuck this. And Specs. some people are like, you can't do that. And I was like, yes, I can. Yeah, you can. We, we toured without cell phones and all that Specs. shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we had these things called BAPs. Right? <laughs> Made out of stuff called paper. But I was decided I was going to write a book about it. I was going to unplug from the internet for one year, see how I handled it, and write a book. And so I'm on a plane in Australia. Did you ever do Soundwave Festival? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. We awesome. were on Soundwave, and Haybreed was on there. So I'm sitting next to Jamie on this plane, flying somewhere. And I explained this whole thing about how I'm going to unplug from the internet for a year and write a book about it. And it finally, I give him the whole big spiel. And then he just looks at me and goes, okay, here's how we're going to do the movie, dude. And he just told me. like him. It's crazy. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yo. So, <laughs> so totally threw my book idea out the window. He's like, you got to do a movie. I'm like, okay. So I asked some friends of mine, the guys who made the As the Palace is Burned documentary. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's a cheap camera? that I can do some B-real footage with for this documentary idea they have. <laughs> and they told me with camera to get a Canon 60D. So I started filming. I did a couple of interviews. I did, like I interviewed Mike Vallely. Sick. Um, Great skater. And I uh, interviewed a professor at BCU, the college near me, about like how technology has changed their jobs and stuff. And But then mostly I just use it to film skateboarding, <laughs> me and my buddies. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> then one day I was in my kitchen and I saw a coffee pot sitting on the table i was like let me try and use this goddamn camera for taking a picture mm. just for the fuck of it and i put it on automatic and went and i saw the picture i was like oh i'm amazing i'm a genius <laughs> totally average photo you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. just totally normal photo but <laughs> it, it, i got from there i was just addicted to it. holy shit yeah your pictures are incredible man you so it's the, jamie's fault ultimately. okay Jasta. We love you. Josh Josh sent me this focus right and told me I should start a podcast. And he sent it to me a couple years ago, and I started a podcast because of Jamie. So I still use it. Thank you, Jamie Josta. Um, Would you ever put like a photo book out? Your photos are amazing, man. Mm -hmm. You think about doing that? Yes, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. You like going to D.C. during all all that stuff. You like in the mix out there during the whole lockdown. Yeah. Like, yeah, this summer, (laughs) the last summer was kind of. It was wild. Yeah, but you 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 out there in the trenches though, taking photos, some really great photos, man. Yeah, and I think you know, there's so many. I don't know. There's so many people doing that now. It's kind of. I hear you, uh, but you enjoy it though. Yeah, but people are also doing it for clout. They're not doing it Mm. like for artistic reasons or like social reasons in some ways, and like it, it kind of. I know what you're saying. It's hard. I'm I'm looking to try and like, like the like I. Everybody has a camera now. Everyone. I mean, their phone's a camera. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's. I'm I'm kind of trying to figure out what my next sort of focus for yeah. photography is going to be. I want it to be very focused. Yeah. I mean, live shit. People do that, but yours was the document, the marches, and all that different stuff. It was it's a really good. Well, that stuff is a, it's historically important. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think it's it's very important to have a historical record of of what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and like. A, a well taken, well composed photograph can display like 
the truth of a situation in some yeah. ways much better than like a 10 second little video clip where you don't understand what's going on, you know? Yeah. It's just a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should do a book for sure. I think, I think you'd fucking, Thank you. I think you'd kill it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was a couple, last couple of questions. People always ask these, but usually some people don't have any, but, and I might, you might already answered it for me. Do you have any regrets in your life? Mm. Uh, you know, I think, um, I mean, I, there are things that, you know, if I think about it, I wish I hadn't done. There's certainly yeah. things I'm, I'm not proud of, but I think it, after a certain point in my life, it's kind of like, um, it, it's kind of foolish to, to think about yeah. regretting and stuff. Because if you, if you, you know, if you did something you aren't proud of or, or something that you wish you had done differently or, or something you didn't do that you wish you had done, the way to fix that is to pay attention to the current moment and and to do True. what you're supposed to do now in this moment. Great point. So yeah, I think being consumed by past mistakes and things uh, is not only anti-productive, it's sort of egotistical, it's sort of just as much as like being a, a narcissist because mm. I think we're supposed to like, we're supposed to, we're here to like do the best that we can and, and like yeah. be good to each other. Right? 100%, yeah, 100%. I think so. First and foremost, yeah. I think so. So, think like, so if too. I'm sitting there thinking about beating myself up, obsessing over like past things, I'm not able to, to do good things right now. I'm still just thinking about myself. Dwelling on the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I love it's that. still just self, you know? And yeah. I, you're not engaging with the rest of the world. I think we make mistakes and stuff we do like gets us to where we are today and 100 you live and you learn all that shit like i mean there's definitely things i would do differently you know <laughs> like i'm not saying like fuck it you know but no i know like as far as like do i really regret all these things i mean like yeah no yeah and you can see yourself an optimist or pessimist <sighs> uh are you, are you a real my wife says she's a realist i'm a realist but i definitely i think uh consciously choose to be optimistic mm. it's not maybe a natural thing with me mm -hmm. uh yeah we but, all go through struggles we're not, we're not yeah, perfect and shit. but i find that the more i keep a positive frame of mind the better my life goes yeah Totally. In some really tough shit. If I've managed to at least stay cognizant of the fact, okay, this is going to pass. Eventually, we're going to get through this. Let's like, get, things are going to at least get better than they are right now. I mean, you've been through a lot of shit, man. Yes. And so like, it, it's going to, you know, like when something bad happens now, I'm just kind of like, okay, what else is going to happen? I mean, you've been through like the, one of the gnarliest things. It's like, yeah. I don't know. Some other other gnarly shit too. So it's just like, yeah. Okay. Like, so like, I, I think if I'm sitting here like going, oh, we're fucked, <laughs> which I do sometimes. Yeah. Uh, go, oh, we're fucked. I'm, I'm not like, I'm not going to be able to move forward in any nah. meaningful way. Nah. So P PMA, positive mental attitude. I believe in it. Yeah. It is gifted to us tell. by the bad brain. Yes. I can tell. I, I totally know you have that shit. You know what I mean? Even though Napoleon Hill, who they got That's from. Right. Yeah. Think he you was, grow rich. He was. He's the OG. Yeah, but he was a fraud. Mm. You, you, you need to research him. Okay. 
but his concept is solid. Yeah, we, we, we got yeah we got the con they got the concept yes. from yeah yeah it's like separating the artist from the work. Hundred percent because there are some bands who inspire me who later on did not live what they sung about. Right. But uh, but I took that with me the rest of my life, and they may not be like that now, but I'm that way still because of them. Yeah. So we got something positive from Napoleon Hill who inspired the Bad Brains, who inspired us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thinking, grow rich, and success through a positive mental attitude. Yeah, that's fucking interesting. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check him out for 100%. You should listen to a podcast called The Dollop. Okay. It's an American. Did, did they break it down? Yes. They're, they're, mm. they're two comedians. Okay. It's an American humor podcast okay and they do they're fucking awesome they're from here in los angeles so they okay. do a whole episode on napoleon hill really yeah okay i need to, i need to hear that because i knew nothing about that yeah wow i don't know that and so if you had a name also you have a name like a top top five i know the bad brains are your number one mm-hmm. do you have like a top five bands yeah just artists or influences in your life that maybe inspired you to do what you do or mm. or somebody new that inspires you and you're a hip-hop head too right yeah i love i love some hip hop. Seems like, it seems like, like all types of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, reggae, oh, like to 70s dub reggae stuff, a lot of it. Is there something that the fans would be shocked that Randy listened to that's not what a person that sings in Lima God supposed to listen to? Oh, most of what I listen to. <laughs> I don't listen to a lot of metal. Dude. Yeah, I don't listen to a lot of Harker either. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, probably the thing Obscurus. that would probably be the most shocking, and it's, it's, it is kind of shocking to me, <laughs> is because I hate what they stand for mm. is I like the pet shop boys. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's super left field. Yeah. I respect that. But though. they, I hate what they are very consciously like pro consumerism. Mm. They're very anti guitar, like organic rock. They're like everything. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. They're, ve- they're like everything I despise pretty much. <laughs> but you love the music. But- yeah, and I even love how shitty they things they sing about. Like, let's go shopping. It's like it's it's <laughs> it's horrible. What's your big song? What's the big song? Um, Pet Shop Boys. I know the name, but what, it's, what have I? What have what, I? What have I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weston girls. girls. Oh they, yeah, they got that one. They got bangers. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, I so don't. That, that's your I don't shit. like crank them all the time or anything. It's your guilty like, pleasure, or whatever. I have no guilty pleasures. Okay. I don't believe in in guilt. This is the word I threw at you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but like, is there anything any pop music? Pop music. Let me find out. Like a Britney Spears, Britney Spears fan or something. Nothing weird. No, popular like not that. like that. No Coldplay. No U two Madonna. No. Oh no, I know you're a big Madonna head. I mean, I like Prince. Best. I just did Fucking a. Best. I, I just did a. Um, actually, it airs tomorrow. I just did a cover of uh, "I Would Die for You" with it's me and Walter from Gorilla Biscuits. Walter Schreibel's my man. Yeah, get the fuck out of here, for dude. For that uh, two minutes to late night. Do you know that? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me and Walter, and then like some people from Harm's Way. The good thing. Holy you, shit! And someone else from someone else. It's coming it, out tomorrow. Yeah, like a video thing. Dude, and, that's amazing. And man. it's gonna be. Um, the it's going to be on Bandcamp for sale one day, and the benefits are going to the Dallas Hope Charity, which is works with like um, helping LGBTQ youth in trouble down there. Amazing man! They did it. They named a few things after my friend Riley from Power Trip, who passed away. He did some work. With wow! Them, so like, dang, that's amazing, Prince man. That's awesome. So yeah. Prince and Pet Shop Boys, that's your that's like your main. No, you mean by something people think he listens to that? I love the Beach Boys. You grew up in that shit, yeah. You yeah, I lo- I lo- you know my dad liked them. They're like you know a really satanic band. So like, <laughs> what about hip hop? Anything? We have favorite hip hop group? I mean, 
I mean, I'm from Virginia. I love Clips. Come on. Clips is great, you man. Know, and shout out Pusha and Pusha no T. Those are my homies. So. The last Pusha T record, incredible, man. Yeah, he's a good incredible. dude. Incredible. So he came to see our last exhibit in Norfolk. Oh, he did? Really? Yeah, yeah. He, he showed up there. That's amazing. Yeah, I love Clips, he's man. He's a good dude. Underrated, man. Both those dudes. Um, I love, I mean, lately, I love Run the Jewels. I love. Great. Excellent. You know, of course, I love Wu-Tang and Public Enemy. I just discovered this. Um. Yeah, artist something from new, new from New Orleans, a, a kind of like. So you listen to new shit too, right? New, yeah, of yeah. course. My son turns me on to new shit too. Yeah, uh, a guy named Alfred Banks from New Orleans. Alfred Banks, hip hop guy. He just okay. put out a record called "One Guy Standing by Himself." It's kind of melodic, sort of uh, melodic, okay. smooth, smooth, smooth kind of yeah, I'm rap hip hop stuff. But he's, yeah. he's pretty cool, and he, he, I like him. He speaks a lot on like. Um, Destigmatizing mental illness because like his awesome. brother killed himself. Has, oh like, shit! Has had schizophrenia and and killed himself not long ago. So he's like, you know, in the hip hop world, much like in the in the metal world or some certain areas of the, the hardcore world, like it's real macho and it's not cool yeah. to talk about feelings or anything. feelings so or trouble that you're, yeah. you know it's not cool. So it's like you know, actually, for hip hop, that's great, man. Breaking that stereotype, yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah, you know. So you you got your ears to the street, listen to new shit. Like you're like, yeah, yeah, I do, man. I love Turnstile. That's my favorite newest band. They're great, great, great band. I I saw them open up for Madball in in North Carolina. I remember that run. I came out to see Hoya and them, and they're like, "Yo, check out this opening band." I'd never heard them. I was like, "What the fuck?" So I got I got to know those guys now. Turnstile guys are cool. Great kids, man. Great band. Super talented. I like the Trapped Under Ice, Angel Dust, all his bands. Yeah. All together, and they like swap members and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like their own. It's a different generation, but it's like it's so cool. Yeah, they're all multi. It's so talented, man. Well, it's kind of like the way it was, though, man. Yeah, like when the scene was smaller and everybody shared band members. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's how your band started. Uh, true, hundred <laughs> percent. It's so true. And I love like how like Sammy's in Shelter. He's in Judge. He's in Youth of Today, and they all like have different moving members yeah. and moving yeah. parts. Yeah, it's incredible. Like that's a. I just love the whole turnstile camp. That's super nice kids and uh, stoked for them. Um, all right, fuck. We covered everything on here. I'm trying to make sure I'm in because I've been waiting to do this for over a year and I got you in my fucking house, but I don't want to kill you. We already did two and a half hours and it's fucking awesome. Right. Do we miss anything you want to talk about? We covered a lot, right? We covered, covered a lot. Shit, bro. I'm looking at the stuff I mean, you're doing. Just you so many things. Anything I would plug that's coming out? Um, Come see us on tour. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm psyched to come see you guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm psyched. Max is coming psyched to come see you guys. And Max really got me into you guys because Max was raised like on punk rock, hip hop, The Cure, Susie and the Banshees, sure. all the shit my wife listened to in the living room. And then we went and we played a show and Slayer performed and Max went and checked them out. But then on this other stage, he went and saw this band called Fit for an Autopsy, and that became mm. his favorite band in the Little whole fucking me. world. Yeah, man. All, all those guys are great fucking humans. So Max found his own style of music that we didn't never... He didn't grow up on here. Right. And so from that, he found you guys and all kinds of fucking... Ba- Max! Death, deicide, obituary, fucking... So then he starts playing you guys in the car. I'm like... And obviously, we became friends. I'm talking about the bands and how you found... You turned me on to Lamb of God. Well, yeah, you did in the car, playing him in the car, because but I knew him already. But well, it wasn't actually from me. Like, I mean, I, I definitely would have if I could have found you guys earlier. But 
It was from one of my friends. His name's Anthony. Mm-hmm. And he shout was out like, to Anthony. And <laughs> shout out Anthony. And um, we were <clears throat> good taste having motherfucker. Yeah, right. He was just listening to everything, and he was like, "Max, I have a song for you." And I was like, "What?" I think it was his sophomore year. He's like, "I have a song for you. I want you to listen to this." And and I was like, "Okay." And he he's like, "It's called Laid to Rest," mm-hmm. and it's by Lamb of God. I was like, "Okay." So I remember I listened to it and. I really, really enjoyed it, which opened me up to like a bunch of other songs, like I think Deftone songs, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out Chino. Shout out Chino. But um, I remember it was that song that just fucking, I, I don't know, it freaked me out. I was so good because I liked metal. I just didn't know a lot more about that kind of metal. I was just right. listening to Screamo, just screaming right, right. death metal and stuff like that. But I really enjoyed it because... I was always so hesitant. I was like, he's going to give me something and I'm just not going to like it. And then I listened to it. I was like, wow, this is actually really good. And then I learned how to play it. And only recently I was able to like really, really play it. Like re- I really tried and I know how to play the song now, but it was like, good. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Drummer is crazy. It's a yeah, good yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, there you go. It's in your and there it is. It's in my kitchen. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Shout out, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Randy, thank you so much for being here, man. That was yeah, fucking man. awesome. I'm sure... I don't think I missed anything. Usually I was like, I missed something. I'll hit you up next time you come to town. But so honored for you to be here, to call you my friend, actually be with you in real life. In a real life. Yeah. I mean, it was so it's many mutual time. friends. We finally got to meet and hang. And yeah. thanks for sharing your story again. I know you told that story before, and I really appreciate you uh, being here. Max, you have any, more, any questions with this guy or anything? Or no, no. Um, any, any questions? No, on the podcast. Okay, off the podcast. Okay. Word. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, I know you've been working hard, too. You're tired. Shit. Um, well, thank you, man. Yeah, hey, man. Thanks for Appreciate having you me. being here. It's cool. Maybe you guys can go surfing or something. Yeah. yeah. Man. All right. Peace. Bye. We are back on the podcast. You know, people listening, I always do this. If I'm with somebody who I might not see for a long time or have just one day or a couple hours with, we want to add shit that I might have forgot when we leave to get mm-hmm. coffee or food. And we did. Um, because I remember seeing, remember, remember, it was recently, uh, you doing cameos, which you really don't do much of, and you did it to raise money. And you're raising money for land. So I'm just going to leave it at that. And you can kind of tell me what you can tell me uh, about the land you have. Yeah, yeah. So basically I have some friends um, that I've made uh, in in a different country down south. <laughs> and uh, they had started buying up uh, former cattle land and stuff down yeah. there um, and letting it return to jungle. You awesome. Know? So at the the start of the pandemic, um, I laid out several tens of thousands of dollars to buy to buy <laughs> some land, uh, former cattle land, and um, just fence it off and let it just return to jungle and chill. Because you know, if you look at in the news, there's always stuff about the deforestation of the Amazon and so yes. forth. Um, I mean, this it's not all the way down in like in Brazil and the Amazon, but it's that side of the world, you know what I mean? So, um, there's a lot of land that gets used to grow things like palm oil, you know? Um, there's a lot of land that's used for grazing cattle for growing, um, you know, non-sustainable crops. Yes. That just destroy ecosystems. So uh, some friends of mine down there have started buying uh, this land, um, in consecutive pieces next to each other, contiguous pieces. And some came, became available and I, I decided to buy it and it's like, Oh, you know, it's pretty expensive, but like, yeah, I'm going to go on tour. 
And me, uh, nope. This was 2019. And I bought it at the beginning of 2020. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, yeah. Damn. Right at the right at the beginning, and yeah, and I already had a a, a small surf shack in that area. You yeah. Know? Um, but bought it and haven't. You know, I was like, holy fuck. So we we had like a, a um an environmental scientist come and look at it. Um, and see what we needed to get rid of. And now we're planning, replanting indigenous plants and stuff. And some of it, since it's been fenced off and uh, cattle and farmers and stuff aren't on it anymore, like howler movies, howler movies, howler monkeys have moved back on it. I want to look those but, up. I, I never heard of those before. I've they're crazy, dude. Okay. They, yeah. They, they make wild noises. Um, <laughs> but Are they, they like chimpanzees or orangutans? Like what is No, there? they're monkeys. They're, no, I know. But okay. Yeah. But I never heard of that monkey. It's interesting. Howler monkeys. Okay. Look them up. Look up, right. look up their sound. They're whoop. It's wild. <laughs> um, but they they moved back onto land. For, they haven't been seen there in 30 years. Wow, man. That's you amazing. It feels safe to come back. Yeah, and we're replanting uh, indigenous plants and trying to restore like the uh, the waterbed of this this sort of stream that comes through it that was polluted by years by like cattle, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And pesticides and all that stuff. We're trying to really re... Um, replenish the land as it were so it's uh it's a really cool thing and i'm just gonna let it fucking chill and do its thing so yeah. i started started doing the cameo to help kind of defray costs of that because we're still putting money into it and then you know i've raised some money for um for like i, I raised money for covid relief in india awesome. to get some oxygenators to them down there during their recent crisis using cameo yeah. so it's been a cool thing, you know. I still doing cameos to raise money. People hit you up. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, oh yeah. If if like if I'm doing the, you know, it, it, I'll do one every now and then for like a specific charity outside of like this private reforestation project I got going on. Yeah. You know. Um. And I'll announce. Okay, I'm gonna do half off cameo for the next ten hours. And like I like I did the last one I did was COVID relief India. That's a lot, man. Yeah, to do. Um, I love it. But everything else I'm just using to help support getting the land back. And some people are like, what are you going to do with the land? And I'm like, nothing, bro. <laughs> yeah. Why would you Why would you buy land and not do anything? Well, because we need jungle, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. You know? All the animals appreciate you. The plants, everything. It's fucking and, awesome. And the air, oxygen, yeah, plants man. produce that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you like breathing? Yeah. <laughs> That's why we got to stop polluting the ocean. Yeah. It's the largest. You see, conspiracy. Yeah, crazy man. And that was that was a big vegan commercial by the end. I saw, I saw it coming. And, was, and it was gru and was hard, man, yeah. to watch. Yeah. Have you ever been vegetarian or anything like that? Or I was vegetarian for at times, not so much by. I flirted with it from time to time, you know, and it's still something because you're I, so environmentally conscious. Yeah, so it's something I still think about, and it's like particularly. I mean, with the way they produce meat and and how much methane cows and stuff give off, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So it's like it's kind of like this. Not so much like ethical. I don't want to eat animals, but in that more in that things are just like way out of balance right now. Yeah, you know. Um, because obviously you care about animals in the environment, the planet. Yeah, it's so obvious, yeah. yeah. So it's that's one of the weird things I I think about internally with myself often, you know. Yeah. 
So I can see that happening in the future. Yeah. So yeah, me too. It just it's just something I mean it's not it's not like I'm just like, "Oh, I can't hurt a caterpillar or whatever." I'm not yeah. that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. I I think that things are way out of whack. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They are. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, well you're doing your part to help, you know, trying mend the world, you know. You know? It's, I appreciate it. It's awesome. Trying. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And one more last thing. I realized that you put a new record out in 2020 and you have to play any of those songs or tour on that yet. Yeah. Is that that's did you record that in 2019? Yes. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, we it's, did. It's hard to the time has gotten so weird. I know. But then yeah. you drop that record and it does really really well, but then you can't go promote it. So now it's a year later on almost 2-year-old song. That's going to be interesting to go perform new songs that really aren't new anymore right right but uh, at, the same, exciting, at the same time i think covid and, and put everything just kind of put a pause button yeah. on it so like yeah. for us and maybe for the fans seeing these songs for the first time i don't think it's really going to make a difference yeah on like people would be so psyched to see the new songs live yeah yeah, yeah. i mean because like i mean for it was me, like you missed your shot at the hit song or the radio, you know what I'm saying? You missed yeah, your exactly. We, we've I, never written like the, we, we didn't have a number one. Oh, like, you missed your shot, man. Yeah, yeah. You know? kids are waiting. They're excited to see those songs live finally. Well, but, we, we yeah. were talking about like your band earlier. You never put out records, but for seven years at a time. In between, yeah. Like, like that's the difference between like bands from like the metal, hardcore, punk rock, whatever more underground scene than pop music. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I'm going to be able to do Lamb of God as long as I fucking want. Totally. That does not, that is not dependent upon radio or the internet like trend Facts. or anything. You're yeah. going to be able to do H2O yeah. as long as you want because we are part of a, an actual viable subculture mm -hmm. that can exist independently of, you know, tastemakers. Or yeah. Whatever. That's a great point. Yeah. We don't need it. Yeah. We don't need it. You know? Yeah. We don't, it's not, it's not on a, Based on a hit song or anything or charts or none of that marketing shit. or yeah. any of that shit, mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty fucking amazing. It's really really lucky that yeah, it's like a year later and go out and play those songs and people are like, oh my god, it's almost like the record just came out because they've been waiting to see them live. Yeah. It's gonna be exciting, man. I'm excited for you. Yeah, we, we life's coming you. back. Yeah, fuck. All right, well, thank you, man. So yeah, so people can still hit you up for cameo. It's under your name, right? Yeah, at D Randall Blythe. On yeah, the the is silent, but I say it Blythe <laughs> like that because people don't ask. I know. At D. Randall Blythe, look me up <laughs> on Cameo. People got your name wrong your whole help, life. Help save the fucking yeah, my whole life. Yeah. Have any, has anyone ever mispronounced your last name? They say like Morrison. Morris, like Morris, like Morris the Cat, or fucking yeah, Morris. Right. Well, I've got my name wrong. Blythe, Blith, Blythe, Blight, <laughs> like I'm a blight upon humanity. One time, black. I'm like, how the hell did you get black? Random black sounds like a country singer. It does sound like a country singer. Uh, yeah, that's my alter ego, you know. I guess. <laughs> would you, okay, would you ever play any type of music than the music you do now, like a solo? Of project? course. Like some different uh, yeah, style of singing. Yes, of course. I'm going. You know, yeah. I'm here. I'm going to go record with uh, with one of my projects, Saldad. You know. Yeah. Saldaje, excuse me. You know, it's not metal at all. Yeah. You like doing different things and pushing yourself and right. I mean, why would I be in another metal band? I got one metal band. We do you, all right. Your voice sounds like you could be really good singing, like actual singing too. It is all right if the if the music calls for it, dude. You yeah, know? I can see that. You're not scared. No, I'm an artist. Yeah, 
<laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. Some people are like, or I'm like, fuck you. I'm an artist. Now you are. I'll try what I want. Multi photography, everything, art, everything. Yeah. If people don't like it, then you know they don't have to listen to it. I True. think people are scared of judgment. Mm. I think so too. You can't be scared, dude. Yeah. Nobody's gonna. Yeah. Okay, we're ending on this. Thank you once again for coming back on the pod. And uh, I know you're in town for a couple more days, so maybe <laughs> do a part three. I'm yeah. I'm <laughs> if you think of some other shit. I will. Thank you so much, bro. Yeah, This bro. was yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, man. Thank right. you. Bye. Hey, y'all. Liquid Death's been so kind to give me a promo code. So for your first purchase on liquiddeath.com, go to liquiddeath.com slash OLOC, and you get a free set of koozies with your first purchase of H2O, still or sparkling. Uh, if not, you could try it also at Whole Foods or 7-Eleven. Use the promo code OLOC for your first purchase of Liquid Death. Thank you, Liquid Death, for your support. Appreciate you so much. Murder your thirst. H2O saves lives, y'all.